Welcome to the second episode of the Sprockies 2020 featuring Ron Howard. You guys, we got Ron Howard. He's going to be a special guest. He's going to pop up at some point during this podcast, but I won't tell you when. <laughs> you might not even recognize him, but he'll be here. Is I he going to sound like you? He might sound like me. He might sound like Carly. We don't know. Carly. Hey. No, we're not doing that yet. It's just you. Carly. What's up? No. Carly, we're not yeah, doing the Ron Howard Yeah, I get bit. the bait okay. here. It's very fun. <laughs> Ron Howard. Thanks for coming on, man. Hey, check out Paradise is Burning on Hulu. <laughs> um, Michael. Yes. Did you, when you woke up this morning, Michael, did you think you would be on a podcast with the director of the Polar Express? Wait, that's Zemeckis. No. Yeah, that's Zemeckis. We'll get Zemeckis for the canonical debate. But until then, we just have me, Carly, and Michael. Hello. Hey. Hi. You guys are always (laughs) prim and proper with these introductions. I'm trying to bring Ron Howard movie energy to this podcast. So, uh. Da Vinci Code. <laughs> da Vinci. Beautiful Mind. <laughs> Queen's Gambit. No, you get out of here okay. with that nonsense. Okay, well, this is our end of year award ceremony for last year, 2020. Guys, remember 2020? Let's really ruminate on 2020, a year we all want to return to immediately. Mm. Let's start with best looking movie. Mm. or show so just to go over the rules real quick we're gonna have one winner per category no runners up and anything that was widely available carly can you explain this because i don't i still can't explain this in a succinct way anything that us three as normal civilians of the world could see in 2020 that was a new release is eligible including Movies and any limited series that are present on Letterboxd. Right. You know, anime. You're home for anime. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Yeah. So anything that was eligible last year in 2019, not eligible here. Right. But there are some 2019 movies that show up here because they weren't available to us until 2020. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Let's talk about them. Our Mm -hmm. nominees for best looking movie or show are Color Out of Space, Crudes 2, A New Age, Azokin, Emma, First Cow, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, Let Them All Talk, Lovers Rock, Mank, Nobody Knows I'm Here. Yep. Okay. Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Possessor, Soul. Spongebob, this is a longer category than I thought it was. <laughs> Tenet, The Other Lamb, The Willoughbys, Trolls 2, Weathering With You, and Wolf Walkers. I would like to, sorry, Wolf Walkers, I kind of <laughs> dropped off on <laughs> I that. I would like. <laughs> um, let's do this maybe a little bit differently than we did the first episode, because I think we jumped right into what the front runners were, which didn't get, really give us... Because I think a lot of these we put on this list so we have an opportunity to, to, to talk about them for a little bit and be like, this looked cool. It's not going to win, but it looked cool. So let's maybe do stuff we would like to cut, but that we just want to shout out a little bit. How does that sound? Because, you know, this is an opportunity for us to talk about movies and shows from last year. Hmm. Do I sound crazy right now? No. no. Okay, cool. No. no. Um, 
Michael, no. is there something on here you like but you don't feel is going to win? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I need a this moment. This is going well. Hmm. Carly. <laughs> yep. Good lead. Yeah, I'll do Nobody Knows I'm Here. Um, Please. Which is like a very cool, nice, I think, Chilean movie. Okay. Um, starring the dude who played Hurley in Lost. Okay. Love that. Weezer uh, album cover alum. <laughs> oh, I know who we're talking about now. Okay. okay yeah. He's very, very good. It's like about a um, child singer who like had his fame stolen from him. Like he was not the face of his voice. Um, and he like turns into kind of a recluse, but it like takes place in this really beautiful, small Chilean waterside village. Um, so there's a lot of really beautiful just shots of the outdoors and of the water and of this like really like kind of sparse home but it's also like very cozy and feels super lived in and then it transitions to he has sort of a media appearance um that he finds very overwhelming and they do a really good job of like showing what a set would look like and how and visually depicting i think how overwhelming that is to that character um and i if i remember correctly i watched this so long ago but i think there's some really cool like flashbacks where he's um sort of becoming his younger self and being able to live out the performance and if I remember oh. correctly, they do a really good job showing that. That sounds cool. This is like the first time I'm hearing about this movie, right? Like we haven't talked about this at all. No, I, I don't think remember. so. I, yeah, this was like maybe in March or something. It went on Netflix and it was hmm. uh, probably right in that period of time where it was like we're all watching for new movies because we thought like new movies would maybe like disappear or something. Right. Um, and it was like exciting that something new was on Netflix. Oh, OK. Yeah. That's no one knows I'm here. Nobody knows. Nobody. Okay. Okay. So strong contender. We're not considering it though. You're not presenting it for consideration. Correct. Okay. I'm going to knock out three. uh, SpongeBob, the Willoughby's and Trolls 2, which are all 3D animated movies that have sort of a very felt like texture to them in a way. Um. And I think that works very well in all of these cases, but I don't think, especially SpongeBob, it's the only good thing I can say about that movie is it transitioned into 3D and it actually worked really well. It kind of captures the SpongeBob aesthetic in a completely different medium. And I think that's cool, uh, but I'm not going to fight for any of these three animated films, but they're all nice to look at. So I'm going to make them all red. Boop, boop, doop. Sorry, SpongeBob. That's okay. (laughs) That's the only nice thing that will be said about SpongeBob 3 in (laughs) any of these discussions. Yeah. Michael, are you coming up with anything? So we're talking like something I can say. We should pick this. We shouldn't pick this, but I think it's worth talking about kind of situation. Yes, exactly. Uh, I would like to cut out Weathering with you because I think that movie is visually beautiful in a way that where i think that's it's basically its strongest yeah uh it, it, that's its strongest quality yes is that it is visually visually gorgeous even though it's kind of carrying that over from uh, uh kimi no nawa yeah so um it's just cool to see like big budget anime especially about like yeah. a modern 
you know, urban setting where it's just like yeah. super nicely detailed background art type of thing. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like they do a fantastic job recreating Tokyo and Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with you there, sir. And adding, especially when you get like adding some of these like more natural features into it as well. Like Yeah. I would just love to look at the artists for this movie. Yeah. Make plants. Right. Even. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then the water motion too is really strong. Like the way the yeah. water is used. Ah, it just, it's visually really, really well done. <laughs> so it's winning this category. Is that what I'm hearing? Because <laughs> the water turns into little fishies. Hmm? Looks kind of cool. Uh, it is kind of cool. Mm. Oh, it's kind of cool. It's not my favorite anime on this list, but it's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Carly? Yeah, I got a couple more. Okay. okay. So let them all talk the okay. Soderbergh movie. Sure. Um, it looks amazing in the way that all Soderbergh movies look to me, especially ones that take place in places like casinos or cruise ships. Uh, it just like embodies like the jazz soundtrack that accompanies it. Super warm colors uh, mixed with like very clear um, shots that like take place during the day. And it's like cloudy the entire time they're on the ship. Um, yeah, just beautifully shot, but not like I would say top of this year. Um, the Other Lamb, which Tucky and I briefly talked about another time, where yes. this movie I don't really like, I don't think, um, but it looked beautiful. It's about a cult, uh, what's the poly polygamy-based yeah. cult yeah. that takes place in the woods in what feels like the Pacific Northwest, but it could be somewhere else, I guess. Um, so it's just like really beautiful shots of the woods. I think that's like the one of the common thing themes of things I like to look at in movies is just having things be in the outdoors. <laughs> yeah. That's a big bump. Okay. Um, but they also mix that with really cool set design um, using like they use yarn wrapped around trees to create like semi-transparent structures, um, which I don't know. Number one even feels like believable to the movie. I don't know that yeah. it speaks to a theme in any specific way, but it's just like whoever that set designer was had like a cool idea and they did it and it looks beautiful on film. <laughs> okay. Um, yep. And then maybe the last one is Lover's Rock, um, which is like close to being a contender for me. Um, but I think the main thing that's so outstanding and notable about it is uh the way the camera moves like most of lovers rock is taking place while there's like a very active house party happening yeah um specifically big crowds of people dancing and the camera gets so like right in there with the people and it's moving with the people in a way that feels like number one impossible to shoot and two <laughs> uh so dynamic and yeah. exciting and it feels like if anyone else than whoever the cinematographer was had shot it it would be a completely different movie. Um, yeah, it just like captures so much excitement through how the camera moves. Um, yeah, so three really pretty movies, maybe to different extents that I don't think are my top. Okay, okay. You sure about Lover's Act? Because that sounds pretty convincing to me where it's like, this is a good looking movie. Yeah, it like it does look really good. Um, okay. But I, it's so in... Like, overall, it definitely looks very good, but it's so much about, like, how the camera moves, which, like, that is what it looks like, but it's not, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's yeah. not the same as, 
all of the sets are necessarily like the right. most beautiful thing to look at right. because it's in just like a house. You know what I mean? Right. They're working with what they got. Yeah. And it like, that's how it has to be. But right. there's other movies on this list that like have the opportunity to work in environments that are just like breathtaking sure. and therefore, um, I don't know, like have to rank higher in my mind. I gotcha. I hear what you're saying. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to cut Crude's two. Which is a very nice looking animated movie. Um, Excellent use of color. Very colorful. Lots of different colors. It's not just like one color scheme. And they use like traditional 2D animation occasionally in a very fun way. And there's a lot of creativity because all the um, and all the wildlife is like strange prehistoric combo animals so there's like wolf spiders which are giant spiders but they're like wolf heads with eight eyes and it looks really crazy and there's a lot of really good fun design going on with the crudes too but it's a dumb kids movie (laughs) it's gone (laughs) wigasus goodbye wigasus this will probably be the last mention we have of you i love you (laughs) i'll never forget you wigasus uh, all right, Michael. I feel like there's an obvious thing I feel like you might pick, but it's up to you, man. Uh, oh, 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 I think I know which one we're talking about before. Yeah. But before we even get to that, uh, yeah, I want to drop out color out of space because I one. think it's got this really pretty. Oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, it's got this really like pretty purple sheen to everything at, at times, like this kind of psychedelic color palette to it that i really really like until i don't yeah i feel kind of overplays its hand at the end but um it creates this kind of more i think modernist take on uh on lovecraftian uh on lovecraftian imagery which i think is really hard to do because the whole point is that it's really hard to comprehend what Sure. kind of cosmic horror is being described yeah so they take so their answer to that is like this really like kind of globular at times um you know other times very psychedelic very like just day glowish purple that they string throughout the movie and it's just i think it looks really good at times or at least it's very unique and stands out at other times it feels like it's really overdone by the end of the movie i was tired of it yeah but as far as like trying to and then that mixed with a lot of some of the the, the more body horror elements they were trying to capture i think it, it created something that was visually interesting if not maybe a little n- not strong enough to kind of carry the movie on its own but uh i thought it was interesting and i thought it was an interesting way to try to adapt cosmic horror to 2020 or 2019 mm-hmm. film Sounds cool. I like the uh, alpaca blob that you were describing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's more interesting than just more Cthulhu monsters, I think. Yeah. So, like, underwater's not on this list, even though it's a Cthulhu movie, because it yep. looked ugly. <laughs> <laughs> and it had JT Miller in it. Um, JT Miller, yeah, <laughs> that's weird. Uh, TJ Miller, JT Miller, Justin Timberlake Miller. Um, <laughs> in the interest of time. Maybe we do our top three now. The remaining uh, nominees on this list are Azokin, Emma, First Cow, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, Mank, 
portrait of a lady on fire, possessor, soul, tenant, and wolf walkers. Car, what are you feeling for a top three here? I'm going to go portrait, possessor, first cow. Okay. Okay. Michael, any uh, any top three coming to mind for you, sir? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go first cow as well. Portrait okay. of a lady on fire as well. Okay. Or, um, I can see where I'll stand on these. Uh, the last one. I'm having a bit of a harder time with the last one because I can't tell which animated thing I want to pick because I think yeah. Ken Soul and Wolfwalkers all bring something very unique to the fold and I don't know which one I like more. Hmm. Um, they're not because none of these, not, none of the three I think would be my primary pick, but yeah. I think they're all worth kind of mentioning in some fashion because I think they're all, they all have a unique art style in a way that I think really lends themselves to each story. You must pick one, Michael. Mm. You must choose. Choose, Michael. Choose. Uh, gosh, I would probably pick Soul. Okay. Very good. But can I also say that I think Wolf Walker's looks? I really, I just like that art style in general. <laughs> yeah. I like kind of what it pulls from, as far as like, I like classical Irish. Uh, iconography and stuff like that and how that's adapted to tell this kind of Irish folk tale. Yeah. I think it works really well as an art style and I think Wolf Walkers carries that torch well after Kells and after uh, Song of the Sea. And then Azoken, I just really like the, the the way they kind of blended, you know, like hand drawing and everything into this this like anime reality and the way those lines are kind of blurred at times uh visually speaking and how uh just in general the setting i think looks really cool as well as far as like an imaginative environment yeah. i agree because it's like this like dystopian future kind of thing but also just looks like a <laughs> grubby like a little city yeah 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 totally that's why it's one of my three michael hey i'm doing my, that one man Ooh. i'm doing i'm thinking of ending things and i'm doing mm, okay tenet Oh. What? <laughs> Oops. Oh. <laughs> oh, I got a big nose noise on that one. That was a nose noise of disapproval. <laughs> stop, Michael, stop. I take it back. I'm sorry. Oh, um, man. Yeah. What's, the, what's the case for Tenet? <laughs> yeah. Can I hear the case for Tenet before we continue? Um, I just, I mean, of all the issues I have with Tenet, the way it looks is definitely not one of them because I think it usually looks remarkable in like a Christopher Nolan makes very expensive looking action movies. And I know you don't like the Call of Duty scene at the end, but I thought it was very fun to watch this like very um, like beaten into our skull action sequence but it's like this like paintball scenario happening but <laughs> also half the paintball team is moving backwards and you know buildings are exploding and then unexploding at the same time and i think that all worked really well for me is there like a guy that gets blown into a wall 
Dude, I, I think there is. Like someone gets like a we wall, like winner. the building is put together while he's in between it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Hmm. awesome. You just have like the Nolan thing of like expensive cars driving on a road, and you know we're in a the city boat going backwards. Everything also, especially in like in a year where we didn't get to watch expensive movies, like uh, that is exciting to just yeah. see someone who was given a huge budget and like made use of it. Can I say that I think I would be more on board with this if it wasn't for the Call of Duty scene at the end? I know, Michael. Because I because the whole oh look we're in some vaguely Middle Eastern war torn area, <laughs> yeah, uh, bombed out buildings or whatever as people dressed like uh, dressed up in army cosplay shoot at each other thing is kind of tired at this point. But there's like but everything big else. I'm with you. Gates on. and stuff, and everybody's like getting dropped in giant shipping containers onto the beach and then they're just running running and running and running backwards and running oh they sure they sure are yeah um yeah and it's like a transformer set a little bit but it's a good looking transformer set um tenant's not gonna win apparently because i think (laughs) it's between portrait of a lady on fire and first cow it seems like because you guys both picked those movies so let me talk about i'm thinking of ending things really quick um, okay. I thought it looked really good. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay, I didn't mind the uh, square aspect ratio. The uh, I feel like this is maybe more of like a a, a conversation elsewhere, but mm. the kind of like cramped setting inside this ruddy little car, mm-hmm. at, while everything is dark, really cool. Yeah, to think about. Yeah, the, and uh, like the fact that they did like the sort of blurry out the windows and it didn't feel super cheap like it felt exactly right that i don't yeah. know how they achieved that because normally that would drive me crazy i agree the, uh the uh dance sequence at the end mm-hmm. gorgeous mm-hmm. 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 beautifully mm-hmm. filmed the uh and then the stuff with the shop yeah the, the not the shop the ice cream yes, oh, yes. Yeah, at yeah, night yeah. Very really good. cool yeah really cool and just so like I, the the beginning where there's like the narration and it's just showing like interior scenes. I thought that looked really good in kind of a generic way, but it's like, Oh, you shot this well. Okay, cool. I'm still excited for this movies yet because I haven't seen any of it. And then, you know, the movie happens. Yeah. The movie happens. Mm. So that's, I'm mm. thinking of ending things. I'm thinking of ending that movie's chances in this category. <laughs> okay. Fight it out. You two. What do you want? First coward. Wait, can I give my, possessor love really quick. yes of course i'm sorry to me that would be tied for number one with portrait but um <laughs> i don't know if that's gonna happen <laughs> no i don't know it won't that's why i'm just gonna give it a little sure. love it's just like a really cool conception of what like i don't know a near future reality looks like where uh it kind of reminds me of her in that way where it's like mm. the future if like some really cool designer got to design the entire world um and every building looks super cool they do a really good job of imagining uh what it's like to swap consciousness with another person living inside your brain um in a way that i've never seen before and they take it to some like really cool and interesting places visually um and really cool color palette as well where like that orange and red comes up a lot uh also, I mean, by casting Andrea Riseborough, you get like 
she has such a distinct look that works so well with the rest of the visuals of the movie. Uh, yeah. I hear you. I wish I knew what this movie looked like because it sounds really cool. But I don't it looks like probably exactly what you would think it looks okay. like. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Possessor. Mm-hmm. Okay, fight it out, you two. I'll just hang over here and make sure you don't see <laughs> each other. Should be giving like, a spin for the rest of this to- list then, too? Or while Tucker eats popcorn? Or I don't know what the 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 plan is. I don't know. I mean, Emma looks pretty, like, bright. Yeah. Lots of yellows. Awesome. Yes. Very Storm. visually, like, as far as, like, period pieces go. Very fun. Yeah. Mank is the Playful. <laughs> Mank looks like, Mank, I think there's an intention to film Mank a little like Citizen Kane. Sure. And but I think better. it's kind of cool. The black and whites kind of create this very, uh, uh, like there's a, I think there's like a, a contrast that's created with that or like a very like sharp, it's a very sharp look. I really like it. Really bold look. I don't think bold and sharp are interchangeable though. It's a really bold look. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, um, I'm not going to say it looks like Sin City, Michael. I'm not going to say it looks like <laughs> Sin City. I think it looks a little better than Sin City. <laughs> yeah. I think you're right. <laughs> okay. Um, soul i think maybe your 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 the the character designs can come and go depending on i don't think you i don't think they look like dreamworks characters but i've seen people make this comparison illumination characters i'm sorry i don't think they look like that but i can i can see where that's coming from um (laughs) settings look almost photorealistic to the point that it's it's crazy to me that like why not just make a live action movie at that point um mm. or maybe not necessarily i just think they're really they're yeah. really really well done and really just they just come together so well and then the a lot of the metaphysical stuff i think looks really cool i love the picasso like uh yeah terry's and jerry's um yes. line art looking yeah Beasties. i love the color schemes i love yeah. the color schemes for that the like the blacks and the whites and then like the the purples and the blues and stuff um yeah i don't know i really like the staircase like i don't know that i feel very strong about the rest of the look of the movie but the or escalator or whatever i like that a lot that's a cool (laughs) visualization of yeah yeah yeah. that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh i have no thoughts (laughs) okay um but you guys should fight this out because we're spending a long time on this. Yeah. <laughs> this okay, yeah, yeah. okay. So I think first cow and portrait are both beautiful in kind of similar ways where it's like very naturalistic. Um, I think that portrait has the opportunity to do more different stuff where there's like the really bright outdoor daylight scenes. There is the, um interiors of the house where it feels so like cozy and the fire is going and it's dark and they're playing cards and then there's like the amazing end scene when she's in like a opera house or whatever like maybe just because of the ranges of scenery they're given uh there's a lot of opportunity to do cool visual stuff also like I just think the framing of a lot of it is really wonderful like I love the image of um 
when they're going on their first walk together and you're seeing Adele Hanel from the back with the hood moving. Like that's, I don't know, that's just absolutely beautiful. Um, but then again, like First Cow is gorgeous and naturalistic and uh, has like lots of cool textures. The, uh, I think um, First Cow, yeah, kind of capitalizes on its uh, setting in like a, a still pretty wild Oregon in a way like there's like there are shots of like the the columbia river and stuff in that movie that just kind of stick with me that really try to like own that that natural setting in a way that i think is really effective but i kind of think portrait does more thematically with its visuals in a way where like this movie is about a painter like it's about it's this love story involving a painter and a painting and so much of this movie is framed visually like a painting. And I think because of that, there's a this extra layer to the visuals beyond them just being gorgeous. A lot of the seaside stuff, I think, is just like straight out of art museums in a way. And I, I, I feel actually pretty strongly the portrait of a, of a uh, lady on fire is probably the one I would want to go with for that reason, because it feels like it uses its visual palette in a way that's a little more thematically rich. Yeah, I mean, it's a movie entirely about perception, and you're seeing it mostly from the person who's doing all the perceiving. Like, and they just do a great job of depicting that. Yeah. Tucker? Um, I w- I'm really glad this is going the way it's going. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think portrait is a much stronger uh, choice in this category. Also, I really like how they do the, like, uh, spirit of Adele Hanel thing. I think that looks cool. The what now? When she's, like, the... And she's in the white whatever. You know, like, the vision of her that uh, keeps appearing to the other woman, the painter. What? Do you really not know? You know, like, when she... (laughs) It's like a ghost or something. Yeah. I know what she means. You're thinking of Phantom Thread, dude. That is oh a pretty good God. looking movie, but I don't think it's eligible for this category. Phantom so, Thread would have won if I had um, my stake in it and we did this uh, like a couple 18 years ago. Years ago. Um, yeah. Casper the Friendly Ghost came out 20 years ago. <laughs> okay. uh, I'm going to crown Portrait if that's okay with you guys. Okay. Portrait of Go a Lady portrait. on Fire. Is it, oop, I made it blue, not green. Mm. Uh, best looking movie or show. Let's move quickly on to Worst Title. <laughs> i don't think i contributed list? any of these <laughs> okay i like this list a lot though um <laughs> can somebody give me the full birds of prey title oh gosh um okay well they changed it right now it's harley quinn birds of oh i don't know but it that was birds of prey in the fantabulous emancipation of one harley quinn oh <laughs> Okay. And can I get the full Borat 2 title, please? Oh, I will. One moment. You're talking more than just the subsequent movie film, right? You're talking like... Okay. Borat, subsequent movie film, delivery of prodigious bribe to American regime to make benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan. But you have to keep in mind the Borat is uh, stylized also with uh, fake mm-hmm. Cyrillic. <laughs> so it's got this extra layer of bullshit. Of like cringe on top of this whole thing. Um, <laughs> I think 
That's funny. <laughs> movie film is the thing that kills that for me. Just the idea uh, that movie film is in the title of a movie really freaks me out, man. Um, yeah, it's kind of meme But, like, the other side of this is also that by using this, like, faux... Uh, faux eastern european accent too it's a little offensive or like it kind of like the movie itself is offensive in that way but it's like underscoring that in a way yeah this is just crap (laughs) this is there's no like wink there they're just like we did the thing that any like hack designer it's like it's funny because fake because someone who doesn't speak who speaks english as a second language is trying like i don't know <laughs> yeah like, no, that's the impression it's like the joke <laughs> is that they don't speak english well you're reading into this i think beyond what they intended they're just like <laughs> it's well, they're also working with the fact that everyone is going to read it knowing borat and like hearing it my yeah, wife would say it yeah, yeah, yeah okay my wife my wife um we also have happiest season hillbilly elegy his house <laughs> Horse girl, I may destroy you. Keep your hands off Azakin. I'm going to fight you on that one. Mank. On the record. Portrait of a lady on fire. Uh, Roll dolls, the witches. (laughs) Scoob. Car, can you say this one for me? Shit house. Thank you. Sound of metal. The devil all the time. The fight. Weathering with you and Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> I hate all of these titles and I think they're all terrible. Which ones do you uh, like? I am going to push back hard on Keep Your Hands Off Azakin <laughs> on Make. On, <laughs> Mink. Uh, Mink cannot be the worst title. Fire. That is so good. But Mink. Mank. His Mank. nickname was Mank. I know. The main character's I nickname know. is Mank. He was popularly known in I Hollywood know. as Mank. I and know. how much fun did we have saying Mank this last year? So much fun. Okay, okay that's a fine argument. Okay, fair enough. Okay, maybe <laughs> Mank isn't the worst movie title of the year. And Portrait of a Lady on Fire is literally what that painting would be called if it was hung in a museum. You guys are just saying that's these... just a typical painting name. <laughs> you guys are just saying these aren't bad titles because they're the name of something. I don't find that a strong argument, sirs <laughs> and madam. I think I May Destroy You is a good title. I also <laughs> I think they don't drop it anywhere which is good that's good she's not like i may destroy you yes right okay good okay (laughs) man she's gone girl (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) weathering with you makes sense to me because they're verbing a noun um yeah what's the argument for sound of metal because i don't think it's a great name but i don't think it's a what does it mean yeah i guess because <laughs> it feels like the metal argument. thing i don't even i don't know it like drops off immediately and then it it doesn't it it in no way kind of portrays what that movie is it's just like this is like yeah. a three words we threw together weathering with you sound of metal like none of it i don't know none of it i like the uh, words together as a phrase you know like it yeah. works in that way i think where it's just like yeah that's a fun phrase i don't know okay um oh. 
do we want to consider Wonder Woman 1984 also as WW 1984 as how it is often stylized? Because then I think that is even worse. I think that helps its chances in this category. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. I really don't like uh, on the record because it's like a cheap pun yeah. in this movie that's like tackling this very serious subject. And it's like, we came up with a marketable title for the, you know, the Me Too documentary. And it's like, oh, yeah, great. Nope. <laughs> Really? Because she's like a record executive and she's on the record talking about the Me Too movement. And it's like, oh, yeah. that sucks. Weird <laughs> yeah. place for a pun. Yeah. Uh, I think Horse Girl is a really terrible title for a movie. <laughs> I think His um, House is like terrible in that it is not descriptive or a good title. I hate the hillbilly elegy as a title, but I don't yeah. know how much of that is me just having right residual. My... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, happiest season? I think it's what it, it needs to be. <laughs> like that's you just need some generic words that are related to holidays, and then that's it. Okay. You know, I don't know. Like, okay. I, it's not great, but I don't yeah. think it's the worst. I think the worst here is just Birds of Prey. I don't. It is I pretty terrible. Yeah. I think the devil all the time is a truly terrible. Name I don't like that one. Okay. The fight is also a true. Like all of these, I think, are truly <laughs> terrible. So I'm having a really hard time. Yeah. Like Scoob is fine. Scoob is sure. fine. That's where my like quality control is. It's like, oh, Scoob. Sure. <laughs> like um, Scoob. <laughs> The fact that you had to look up the name of Birds of Prey and it mm -hmm. changed and both were terrible yeah. leads me to support that in this category. I'm, I feel like I'm kind of with you. Okay. Is that our is it like the, Is the whole intention, because <laughs> I haven't seen Birds of Prey, but is this like a weird art house turn in a way for DC movies? Or I don't, mm. I don't get why they would go for this like lengthy... Yeah, artsier attempt at a at a title for a movie. It's like the I Fiona Apple of, movie. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think it's kind of similar to Borat too, where like, like I'm reading that in the Harley Quinn voice in my head. You know what I mean? Where it's like because she talks right, she talks in like these crazy sentences, and it kind of fits in that way. But it Boards. doesn't work when you're trying to sell a movie. Boards of prey in the blah blah blah. <laughs> Mr. J, it's the worst title of the year, Mr. J. You guys are both nominated for worst Margot Robbie. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. J. Uh, um, I would want to pick Borat too, but the offensiveness is kind of the point. Yeah, yeah. So, and the meme and the the fact it's also a meme is kind of the point. So those are my top two though. Birds of prey and yeah, Borat, I think. Yeah. Uh, Bad. Wonder Woman 1984 to... uniquely sucks, though, just so that's out there. <laughs> yeah. Which one? Wonder, Wonder Woman oh, 1984. Yeah. It takes yeah. place in 1984. If you couldn't tell. Yeah. That's the 1984th Wonder Woman movie. It's good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I can't wait for Wonder Woman 1985. Kristen <laughs> Wiig's back, and she's got oh, no. issues. Yeah, and nothing has been all right. <laughs> since Wonder Woman 1985. Um, yeah, I don't know. Okay. Girl Dolls the Witches is also kind of a terrible name for a sure movie. Sure is, man. Yeah. 
Anytime you have to put the person's name before the thing is like yeah. just so crappy because you know it's just like a legal thing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and rolled all Ron like Howard's hillbilly allergy, <laughs> right? Ugh. Or uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So I may destroy you is the worst title. No, you get oh, out oh, of here with okay. that nonsense. Birds of prey and the blah 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 blah. Thing. Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. <laughs> Mr. J. <sighs> Mr. J. <laughs> We're going to do Best Actor. Ooh. Ooh. We don't have a Best Actress because we are woke. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> we okay. just don't praise women on this podcast. <laughs> There's no women on the list. Yes. Oh, no. There are a lot of really good picks on this list just for that. Just, just what's mm. Yeah. Carly. What's up? I don't like reading names. Would you mind going through this nominee list? Oh, gosh. Okay. I'm going to hit a couple issues. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry. Chadwick Boseman, Ma Rainey, <laughs> Delroy Lindo in The Five Bloods, <laughs> Elizabeth Moss in The Invisible Man, Gary Oldman <laughs> in Mank, Mank, Maria Bakalova in Borat 2. Michaela Cole in I May Destroy You. Olivia Cook in Sound of Metal. Riley Keough in The Lodge. <laughs> sure. Riz Ahmed in Sound of Metal. Robin Nevin in Relic. Sydney Flanagan in Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. Don't know how to do this one. Okay. Oh, God. Sope Derisu? Yeah, that's what I would guess. I yeah. really don't know. I'm sorry. His House, Viola Davis, Ma Rainey, Wunmi Musaku. His house mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Zoe Deutsch. Deutsch. Yeah. Zoe Deutsch. Okay. Do we have any other additions to this list we should be thinking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no first cow or portrait of Lady on Fire on this list, and you guys seem to like those movies a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can make the case for an Adele Hanel. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I do think there are movies. I feel like there there are movies. I'm moving this other category out of the way in case you guys want to add anything. Mm. Mm. I don't know. I'll hold my tongue. Okay. Mm. Um, This is a tough one, you guys. Hmm. I think we should cut Gary Oldman immediately. Yeah. That's fair. Okay. Not in any artistic <laughs> grounds. I just don't think Gary Oldman should be in contention for any categories, even though he yeah. was a good actor. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Gone. <laughs> there. Okay. I do have one to add, um, yes. but I won't talk about it too much because uh, it comes up in another category where I can get to the gist of it. But I'll add Paul Mescal in okay. Normal People. Okay. I can do that here. There he is. <laughs> Welcome, Paul. Does anyone else have any additions? Mm. There are other strong performances I can think of, but there aren't any that I would pick over ones that are already on this list. Mm. Yeah, that's about where I'm at. Okay. I think this is a good list. I think so, too. This is a very good list. I would like to motion to remove Olivia Cook just because I think we don't need two people from the same movie, and I think... Though she was very good, I think it was Riz's movie. Yeah, I would completely agree. I okay. think 
both to her credit and the credit of the movie, they don't do the awful. She's she doesn't feel like just a worried girlfriend, even though that's the majority of her screen time. Like she really feels like a full person. And I think that's you get to see her breathe a lot in the last act in a really beautiful way. Um, Yeah, I think she just does. And she does a really good job of showing that transformation, right? Where like, you're not seeing her progression, you're seeing her at the beginning when she's leading one sort of lifestyle, and then you're immediately snapping to her at the end, um, where she's living a completely different life, and they both feel right, which is, I think, pretty outstanding. I agree completely with the car. Cool. She's a good counterpoint to him in that movie, their performances. You know, yeah. Two sides of the same coin. Hmm. Um, I can just do my palm as hell because yeah, I don't think he's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, like so. He's one of the two um, main people in Normal People, and they're both great. But I think he's the one that like kind of everyone went nuts over. Um, deservedly so. He just does a really good job of like showing what a teen boy can be in a really atypical way where like he's uh, it's like very interior and you're following like his mental health journey but it's not like the normal like sad angry dude sort of mental health journey like he's good to people in his life and he's just like struggling with anxiety and struggling with coming out of his shell as a young person and um there are some like really knockout scenes with him where he just it's like an actor acting in yeah. a really great way sort of thing. Okay. I like that. But he's off the list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say off okay. the list. Okay. Michael, is there one you want to support and then cut? Um, I think we should pick who from Ma Rainey who you want to keep on the list. They're both excellent, dude. I know they are. And it's really hard. And I also, if, while we were talking about this, I also think it's worth throwing out Chad uh, Chadwick Boseman's performance in Defy of Bloods was also fantastic. Mm, yeah. I didn't realize and he was in there. He sure was. He did. It was. Ah. Yeah. He's very good at what <laughs> But he I think like if we're did. doing the choose one from each movie, it has to be Delroy Lindo. Like that is an insane yeah, performance. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Actually, Delroy Lindo's, if, if we, once we narrow down to like the top, three he's in my top three yeah if my if not my number one because that's Dang. insane insane performance yeah um mm. hmm. yeah this one's tougher i can get rid of riley keogh in the lodge um just a really 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 good job of um a terrorized person in a horror movie uh like she feels like a real person and you go through so many different stages of like distrusting her and then feeling so bad for her and then feeling so so bad for her and she like they put her through the ringer so badly like it's just one of those where it's like every single bad thing happens to this person again and again and again um and it doesn't feel like other horror movie performances to me. She just like elevates it a little bit. Hmm. Is but it kind of a top ones. ready or not situation? Not at all. There's no. nothing funny going on in the lodge. It is oh, just okay. terrible times. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I just thought her performance in right. Uh, mm. I don't know that actor's name, but her performance really elevated that movie and was like above everything else that was happening. 
Is yeah. it that Samara kind of Weaving? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Speaking yes. of uh, people being thrown into terrible situations, uh, I would probably recommend cutting Maria uh, Bakalova. Oh. Because I just feel I don't I don't know I feel like that that doesn't. Uh, she did fantastic, especially considering the insane situations <laughs> that movie put her in. Yes. Um, but yeah, it I, I think yeah, I, I don't think I think it kind of pales to to some of the the <laughs> the other fair. performances we're talking about. But yeah. just just to throw it out there, she did wonderful, especially uh, considering <laughs> everything. Uh, well, to be a standout alongside one of the most famous characters in the last however many years, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like to stand her yeah. own and not just fade away and to be so funny and to not break in these real situations. Like, yeah, I think it's outstanding. The uh, the Republican Women's Convention yeah. or whatever, <laughs> the, the Republican Women's Meeting. Holy shit. <laughs> I just you want to talk about standing on your own in this insane movie with yeah. this insane other character. Like, oh my god. She just gets up there and stays in character the whole time and presents this whole monologue on touching yourself. Like, what the fuck? It was it was good. It was very yeah. good. She's very talented. Uh I just I think like we're talking maybe two totally different worlds, even between that and like yes. some of the other performances. On <laughs> yeah, right. It just feels weird. Yeah. 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 Right. But very amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yes. So. Um, also props for the Giuliani thing. Cause that is also an insane, <laughs> yeah. uncomfortable insane. And amazing situation. <laughs> to be able to hold it together during that is so crazy to me. Oh That's my God. a different yeah. category. That's a different yeah, category. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to, in that vein, I'm going to cut Robin Nevin from Relic, but I thought she did an excellent job in sort of a horror movie role because she has to play a very multifaceted character and it all felt very real in a way. And that was good. It was ghoul. It was ghoul. It was ghoul. Um, We can cut Michaela Cole. I may destroy you. Um, I think it's a like absolute standout performance, but I think... Um, when I think of her, like she also, I think, wrote and directed. So it's just like one of those, like it's a complete vision. Um, and that sort of supersedes like the performance alone, I guess. Um, but the performance is incredible. Like she takes you through so many different stages of a character. And this is a character who's constantly changing and who has like very surprising reactions to situations. Uh, and she makes it all feel really natural. Sounds ghoul. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we can. Cut can I make a yes controversial cut? Ooh. Uh, Zoe Deutsch from Buffalo. Dude, Buffalo. <laughs> I think we can cut Deutsch. I don't know. Did you nominate Deutsch, Tuck? Of course. Yeah. Who's gonna format it like that card? Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I I think she did wonderful in that movie. She carried that movie. Oh, definitely. Um, Yes. Like that, that movie is as good as it is because of uh, Zoe Deutsch. But at the same time, I feel like there on this list, there are, there are people who are in like capital a actor movies. Right. And and there are some very like, like, I think there's just stronger performances 
in part because the movie has kind of called for those stronger performances as well. But, um, so I, I just, I don't think like I, th- there, there are performances I would put above it, but I also think it's worth putting out there that she made that movie as good yeah, as it was. Definitely. Like she did wonderful in that movie. She's a loose cannon. You don't know what's going to happen with Zoe Deutsch. She's going to take the <laughs> freaking bison head off the wall and throw it on the lawn or whatever's happening. I rewatched that clip this week. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> you could relate to it. You're like, yeah. <laughs> Sick of these flies. Yeah. Uh, I think we should cut Elizabeth Moss of the Invisible Man fame. But I thought she did a really good job. Yeah. As she always does. We love you, Elizabeth Moss, even though you have some questionable parts of your life. But that's fine. We cut Gary Oldman. We're cutting Elizabeth Moss. <laughs> Obviously the same thing. Um, what do you think about the His House folks, Tuck? I think, yeah, I I couldn't choose between them, I guess. I think they're both excellent and they both go through a very strange and hard to portray, I think, emotional journey in that movie. Uh, It works really well. And have to react to horror circumstances as well. Like it's a relationship drama. It's like a trauma story and it's a horror movie all at once. And to balance all of those, it's pretty incredible. How prestige. Ooh. Very prestige. Uh, it's a Netflix movie, but <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is an HBO Go high concept genre exercise. May have <laughs> that's a different category, Michael. <laughs> okay. Um, I would like to put it out there. We've narrowed it down to the folks that would actually absolutely be my top five. So, okay, sure, yeah. Yeah, it gets tougher here, I think. Hmm. I, think, I mean, I, yeah. should we like pick our like top two or something? Uh, my top one is Sydney Flanagan. Yeah. Mm. And then there's the golf and then there's the other people. Yeah, I mine's like tied Sydney Flanagan and Del Rey Lindo. Mine is also tied between Sydney Flanagan and Del Rey Lindo. Yeah. Um, I think like. Chadwick and. Viola are acting and I get that that's the point but Sydney didn't feel like she was acting it felt like she was you know in this movie and I think that's more a problem with Ma Rainey as a movie than it is because I mean the performances are incredible um but they are performances and you yeah you can tell Ma Rainey was first written as a play yes Exactly. So, and again, that's, yeah, that's more, that's not a problem with their performances at all, but I was kind of like sitting there wowed by those performances in kind of a technical mm-hmm. capacity, which isn't as important to me as what was happening with Sidney Flanagan, or I would say, uh, Riz Ahmed from Sound of Metal. I think those were more characters that i was invested Mm in yeah i mean sydney flanagan also like i do think genuinely think it's one of the best if not the best performance of the year there's also the advantage there right of we didn't know sydney flanagan before Mm -hmm. so we're like she she feels completely like a real person as does the person who plays her cousin um yes yeah they just it's perfect casting and it's perfect performances Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I feel like I feel like you 
especially Michael, are not convinced by this, and I think we might have a hard time in this category. I think, no, 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 no. Because no. I think the answer is, I think Sidney Flanagan, uh, I, I feel like they did a very, very fantastic job. Um, more than that, I, I like the, I think, not to not to get ahead of ourselves, I think the, the interview scene in that movie is one yes. of the most incredible pieces of film from this past year and i think a part of that what what made that was this prolonged like close-up of her answering questions and how she portrayed all of that and all of the different kind of conflicting emotions that would come up in that and it just i, I think sydney flanagan hands down would be my my answer for best actor but i i feel like it's really worth underlining how well Delroy Lindo did into Five Bloods. Yeah. Especially considering how large that cast was and how much he stood out in that cast. To be able to portray this character who was very complicated with a like a lot of different there's a lot informing that character and he hit all of all of it. And I just I I feel like it's worth throwing out there that I, I still believe that that is a very strong number two for me personally, mm. but I, I also think Sidney Flanagan had hands down the the best performance of the year. Yeah, I would completely agree. Like I, it, there is an interesting I think tie between these two where, um, even though like Sidney Flanagan's performance is purposefully small and restrained, and Del Lindo's is like explosive they both feel exactly like real people like the character that Delroy Lindo plays feels so accurate and so like people I've interacted with in my life and just he <laughs> like he just portrays like all of that viewpoint and that history so exactly right and like takes you through the full spectrum of like like he's kind of difficult to get along with and then you feel so much for him and that he makes these crazy choices but he feels like a human all the way through and there's just like i would say like every single moment with him feels like it could be like a best actor real moment yeah yeah it's incredible yeah. uh there i think spike lee had a had a a a very specific image. Uh, he wanted. He had a message he wanted to get across with Del with Delroy Lindo's character, and I think Delroy Lindo sold it easily. Yeah, for what that's worth as well. In a way that I can't think of anyone else who could have done that. Like I no. think I can only picture him as that character. It's yeah. I don't know. Yeah, wild. But um, I think Sydney Flanagan yeah. would be my pick for best actor. They just did a really really strong job. But I yeah. I just wanted to point out I haven't seen The Five Bloods, so I don't... I, people at home, the reason I'm not like <laughs> fighting for that is because I don't know what you guys are talking about. But it sounds very good. Yeah. But, it's a wild movie. Yeah. Yeah. Just in general. But Should we give Riz a little bit of love? Um, yeah. He was fine, I guess. Like, I didn't <laughs> okay. really understand what his character was about or like what was going on. With it, he was like a drummer. Belgium for some reason. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's the it, best. <laughs> he's so good at being like a dick in that movie, but a dick he can love, you know. Has he been in other stuff before? Oh yeah, <laughs> Rogue One. Oh, he was in a really bad role in that movie. He sure was. Oh no, he was, was he? The, he was the, the he was <laughs> the defecting pilot thing. Yeah, the one oh, who got hentied. No. 
There is. Yeah. That's There's really unfortunate. That, something I really love him in. Well, he was in Venom. He's the bad guy in Venom. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> that's so bad. But she does a really he's so good talented. job. Oh, Nightcrawler. He is oh, so, so, so good in Nightcrawler. Like, I love, love, love Jake G in Nightcrawler. I love Riz, Azmet, Riz Ahmed almost as much as wow. that. Um, yeah, he's I so praise. good. And then I think he was also brought to fame by, I think, this like BBC series called The Night Of that a lot of people love. Hmm. Yeah. Was good so I, I, like, yes. I think a cool thing to point out with that, too, is each of the roles we just talked about are incredibly different from each other. Like, I think yeah. he's going to have an extremely exciting career, and that's awesome. I hope so. He was yeah. also in 2019/2020's Weathering with You Tucker. Oh god. He was in the English he was the English uh dub for the main character, I think. Really? I think so. I let hope me, that doesn't confirm. Harm. Let me <laughs> Well, Michael researches anime. I'm going to go ahead and crown Sydney Flanagan. <laughs> Our no, actor. he was not the main character, but he was a police officer in this movie. I barely remember what happened in that movie. Wow. Okay. She's a 100% sunshine girl. Um, Sydney Flanagan from Never Rarely, Sometimes Always is our number one sunshine girl of the year. Best actor. Yeah. The best. What? Okay. We have three categories left. Four. Yeah, Holy cow. Okay. Including Worst really letterbox really poster. One. Let's do this. Okay. Nominees. I also don't think I contributed any to this one. Okay. All I don't the... like to feed negativity on this sheet. We can skip this stupid category if you don't want to freaking no, do no, the no, stupid no, no, category. No, 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 Okay. All the bright the tenet, places. Uh, letterbox poster is pretty bad, huh? Yeah. I'll continue. <laughs> Ammonite. Borat 2. Buffaloed. Hillbilly Elegy, Let Them All Talk, Ma Rainey, Normal People, Out, Soul, Spontaneous, Tenet, The Willoughbys, and Valley Girl. Hmm. I think Buffalo is a very strong contender. I, I disagree. disagree hard. <laughs> you guys might be looking at a different poster than I am. Is it just the Is one it? with her face where she's surprised? Yep. I feel like that matches the movie's energy, though. It's mm. kind of like this chaotic and like this chaos and this reaction to chaos. Okay. Speaking All of chaos. On Zoe Deutsch being nuts. Speaking of chaos and nuts, what do you think of that Borat 2 poster, Michael? <laughs> mm, I need to look at it again. One moment. Oh, the yes. The, the maskini. <laughs> yep. 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 Having that thrown in my face every time I got on Letterboxd for a month and a half was pretty awesome. Yeah. See, yeah. these don't bother me nearly as much as some of the other ones on here because they're okay. like lighthearted at least. There's like okay. I feel like Ammonite yep. and Ammonite's normal terrible. people really grind my ears normal because it's like so bad. someone thinks that this was gonna be dramatic and cool yeah. looking, and it's just like oh like some yeah. Tumblr like 14-year-old made this on sure. fake Photoshop or something. I don't know. It sucks. Fake Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, uh, normal people's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. it's really bad. Uh, I'm gonna throw that out there. The the wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. the, I know you guys like the movie, but <laughs> the soul poster looks like the poster 
where they run like a poster for every character and this is the one for the character that nobody cares about and then somehow that ended up as like the main poster for the movie <laughs> like a background it's not character a good poster. <laughs> he's like hey i'm soul and then there's like a cat peeking out like huh what's going on hey, i'm soul <laughs> like I mean, the zendaya's michi thing yeah that's exactly yeah. what i'm thinking of yeah. yes exactly uh yeah. it just does not even if you like the movie i don't think that poster gets across anything about why that movie would be cool or good. no i think like if i knew nothing about the movie and i saw that poster i would never ever watch it <laughs> that's what i'm saying yeah it <laughs> seems like a bad poster to me but um all I think Tenet places. is really bad. No, it's not. Uh, I yes. think Tenet's pretty bad, too. Oh, my God. Tenet feels in the same vein as Ammonite and normal people, where it's like, this will be cool. And then it it's is just like, cool. Ugh. It's like a no, John Woo like poster from the 90s. You can see Nick Cage on that poster, can't you? <laughs> I don't think yeah. Nolan does good posters. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the prestige is pretty great. But I Dunkirk. like Interstellar. Okay. I hate but the Dunkirk. Interstellar poster. Holy crap, do I hate the Interstellar poster. <laughs> <sighs> but Dunkirk. Dunkirk's all right. Yeah. I don't think Dunkirk looks good. It's just like a guy kind of staring, staring at the titanic forces of history in their <gasps> face. Tick, 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 tick. Oh, that's 1917. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Tenet was the worst poster of the year, I guess. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I'm sorry. Okay. Normal people is pretty bad. Yeah, I think normal people might be it. Have you like guys seen the All the Bright bad. Places poster? No. I just looked at it. I'm still saying normal people is pretty bad. Okay. Right. Like, because it's look, literally, okay, so are there, I don't know, I couldn't tell you what the plot is, but my impression <laughs> is that it's like, oh, they like each other. Oh, they're, but they're also at each other's throats or something. Like, they don't yeah. like each other. That's, you can tell because she's got her arms crossed and is looking away from him. And they like each other a lot, but they're really bad at communicating. Same. Uh, spontaneous though wait 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 okay That's all the, the bright places is pretty bad the post-it notice <laughs> I think spontaneous is our winner and you guys yes! are going to have to no, convince right, me otherwise right. oh I nominate or I like posted this one yeah yeah this is the worst it, they're, yeah. it looks like they did face and hole or whatever face and hole okay yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I Wait, let's face swap except i'm not gonna face swap with you i'm gonna face swap with the guy doing the catering and then that was the poster he didn't actually face swap though it sure looks like it i know that can't be they photoshopped his face onto a face yes there's a neck and head model that they used and then <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing of beauty it's so bad. And they didn't okay. orient. Like, it's too big. His no, I know. features are too big. I know, I know, I know, I know, oh, I know. I know. I love it. Yeah. The Willoughby's poster is really bad, though, too, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Just throwing that out there. I think the Ma Rainey poster is also terrible. I don't know what they're doing. That, that one is so egregious to me because the movie is good, but it has, like, this trash poster. I don't understand. Sounds of people looking up? up the. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Oh, um, it's fine. It's so badly designed, though. Like it's not a good yeah. poster in any way. Yeah. But what can you do? You guys don't like tenants, so who? Why am I even talking to you? You don't know what you're <laughs> you're even talking about. So. I mean, 
I don't know. Normal people still kind of bet. Like, <sighs> normal people is worse because it's a good show. Okay. I got to look at normal mean? people real quick. Normal people is bad because it's bad. Yeah. But I mean, like, compared to spontaneous, like, where it's like, I can laugh off spontaneous, but normal spontaneous. people deserves a good poster. Like, I don't get how they screw mm. that up. Like, I'm looking at this. This looks like something like a, a middle schooler would come up with mm-hmm. as far as like. it. Yeah, it's like <laughs> poor use of two different Photoshop effects. <laughs> so which one do yeah. you not like more opacity or the clone tool? That's what we're dealing with. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah. they also like made I think they made the doubles bigger. So like yeah, Paul Mescal's head looks bigger. I don't know. Oh, that's crazy. And she has sleeves in the in her ghost her ghost has <laughs> <Yeah>. sleeves. <laughs> Um, I think, yeah, normal people is a pretty strong contender here. Yeah. Should we call it? Yeah. Spontaneous is not the worst poster. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's like normal people is like if I told someone to watch it because it's a good show and they looked up on Letterboxd, they would think I stink. That's exactly how it (laughs) happened with me, Carly. (laughs) Uh... I don't know if like if you said go look up normal people, I'd look at that and I'd say, oh, it's a it's a, a low budget yeah. drama kind of situation. Is Eddie it's Redmayne a high in budget drama, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be looking at that and think, OK, is what Nicholas Sparks book is this? Based yes, on? exactly. Yes. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Normal people. Worst okay. letterbox poster. <laughs> a contentious category. Yeah. Movie that would have benefited most from Anya Taylor-Joy. Mm. <laughs> we love Anya Taylor-Joy. We love Anya Taylor-Joy. We, we love... Michael? This is such a funny category. We love <laughs> Anya you. Taylor-Joy. Uh, our nominees, Birds of Prey, Croods 2, Doolittle, Happiest <laughs> Season, Host, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, Mank, Palm Springs, Scoob, Sonic the Hedgehog, Tenet, the old guard, the prom, and the witches. Ooh, I'm happy to see another reference to Doolittle on this. Dude, what animal is Anya Taylor Joy playing in Doolittle? <laughs> Michael, hit me. Uh, uh, mm, hmm. Hmm. I'm a lemur. I'm Anya Taylor Joy. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know. You got me. I'm Scooby Doo. I'm Anya Taylor Joy. <laughs> Scooby Doo. <laughs> Like Jinkies, <laughs> I'm Anya Taylor-Joy. I love it. I feel like there's Who joke answers. Who should be answers. in Sonic the Hedgehog? Are we talking like a, an Amy I'm plug? I'm Amy. Or? I'm Anya Taylor-Joy. I'm in the post credit stinger where it's like, where where did Amy come from? And then she says one line. It'd be pretty yeah. cool. I think there uh, are... Save it for Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Okay, <laughs> fine. Rouge. Sonic and Tails. Uh. Uh, I think there are a couple legitimate answers here. Okay. I think I think even anything's Mank or the Old Guard are my top three. What was the first one? Oh, I'm thinking of anything. Yeah, she could Mank be one of the Guard. gals at the ice cream shop or something. I like the idea of her being in the witches because she was in the witch. That is pretty um, good. That is pretty good. I want to mark that yellow. <laughs> um, 
I think she would do excellently in the old guard, beating people yeah. up and living forever. Yeah, I kind of want that to be it. She's so fun. Yeah. I like the idea of her as an action star a lot. I do too. Hmm. Mm. Did New Mutants fulfill any of that? Nope. Cool. She talk with accent. <laughs> and then she has... Can I spoil the end of the New Mutants? Oof. Sure. A giant psychic energy bear attacks the school and she becomes like a Valkyrie with a sword. And then the last like 15 minutes of the movie is Anya Taylor-Joy having a CGI fight with a giant glowing bear <sighs> in the snow. Yeah. It's freaking awesome, dude. And that's you why I think it, the but old Howard is a gape. <laughs> like, that's incredible. It's not, I hate though. It. She's I like, hate it. I must kill bear. That's her bad does. Russian accent. Oh, She's sassy in that movie. God bless her. Um, sassy Russian here to, <laughs> to fight bear ah, with she, like, sword. <laughs> she could also, to- I think just in general, she fits well in like old timey things. So would work well in Mank. I could totally yep. see her either mm-hmm. as Amanda Seyfried or, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well, maybe not Amanda Seyfried, but definitely uh, Lily Collins, the woman who helps him write. Yes. I think she could do that well. Yes. So we're just typecasting Anya Taylor-Joy as a period piece actor? Yes. Well, I mean, she kind of is at this point. I mean, no, she does a bunch of other stuff, too, but she does so well in um, both The Witch and uh, Queen's Gambit, I think. Okay. She's good in time periods. And And Emma. Emma. Yeah. Yeah. But what if she was timeless, the old guard in theaters now, Netflix, Anya (laughs) Taylor-Joy? Huh? Hmm. I want Anya Taylor-Joy. Yeah, immortal warrior of time with an axe beating yeah. up the guy from Harry Potter. Make it happen, Perfect. studio execs. There's a sequel coming. We all know it. I think there probably is, right? The old guard. The too. older guard. Mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. <laughs> that or Sonic the Hedgehog for me. I like the idea of her being in Sonic the Hedgehog, but like voicing tails or something. So <laughs> yeah. it's like, like distorted mm. or whatever. It, or she's just doing like a, a I'm Sonic voice acting thing. Like, yeah, mm. I'm tails. Where's Sonic? <laughs> That's her getting hit and rings are coming out of her. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Uh, she could be one of the knuckles. <laughs> one of the, the knuckles. One of the, oh, the knuckles no. echidnas chasing them down. I don't know. Mm. I like the old guard. I think the old guard is a good serious answer. Okay. Cool. Put her in a coffin underwater forever. I really want a sequel, actually. Like, yeah, I want to spend more time with those characters. Yeah, mostly just Charlie's. Yeah, we love Charlie's. Let's save the uh, elephant in the room for last and do this as quickly as humanly possible. Let's rank these movies from most to least prestige horror again. Okay. <laughs> Antebellum, Color Out of Space, His House, Host, which is a high concept genre exercise. <laughs> Why is that there? Because <laughs> as uh, soon as Michael is... called it that, I put it there. Uh, I didn't call it that. That was, I believe, a review from The Guardian. Okay, well, so we're passing the buck here. calling it a high concept genre exercise. <laughs> Do you disagree, Michael? I think that used the... Uh, uh, um, 
both the Zeitgeist as well as the uh, framing of a uh, Zoom call as very, very effective tools for for a very contained horror story. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm taking it off this list. Okay. <laughs> I'm thinking of ending things. Possessor, Relic, The Grudge, The Invisible Man, The Lodge, Underwater, and The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Carly, you hipster jerk, what is The Wolf of Snow Hollow? Freaking oh. guy who is a cop movie. Yeah, um, it's like a modern, silly werewolf movie. Like, okay. good silly. Um, so I guess, like, kind of prestige in that way, but it's definitely not at the top of the list here. So are we just using prestige as, like, a good horror movie? No, because no, there's some really... That. I would argue host is, like, near the bottom of the list because I don't think it's prestige at all. Interesting. I mean, it's pretty high concept. I don't know. Okay, well... What's more prestige horror, antebellum or color out of space? Go. Color out of space. It's less well, prestige. Ante- it's more horror. Isn't antebellum kind of... I I've, I didn't actually see antebellum, but it seems like it's trying to go for something the way... Because um, it's a Jordan, Jordan Peele produced it, right? Mm. It's coming from that same... Yeah, I think that is same, right. Or the, P, or the production right. company behind... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't okay. think he was involved, to be honest, but I think they want you okay. to think he was. Yeah. Okay, because it seems like it was trying to tap into the the get out uh, us yes. energy, yes, or hype, definitely. Yeah, I think it's another way to put prestige that it's like getting at something besides just being a good scary movie. Yeah, I think so. Okay, then Antebellum, yeah, is higher okay. than Colorado Space, I think. Okay. Yeah. I, I would put his house at the top of the list so far. Agreed. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to start constructing this. Please talk about Host. Host is so fun. Like, it's a great horror movie. I just, it like, that's all it is, is a great horror movie. There's no, like, social commentary or issue something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but it's such a creative use of its, like, format to, to the point that it's, I think, a unique... Actually, I guess I can't say that because there was that one that's like unfriended. Or yeah, unfriended out, is like... done. I mean, who certainly did it better, but the unfriended yeah, yeah. franchise exists. It's a franchise. There's at least two for sure. Yeah. What? Yeah. The second one is one of the most upsetting movies I've like ever seen. In okay. a good way. Huh. In a bad way. In a good way. Um, It's like on the level of like, I don't know if I can recommend it in good conscience. Wow. Because it's like, like dark web stuff. It gets really bad. Oh, like human centipede level kind no, of nonsense. Well, I would say even worse because it feels like really real at certain points. Oh whereas God. human centipede is just like Stupid. nonsense. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So where does that Three put Three dog. <laughs> Dry hooned. <laughs> what are you talking about? He sews his dogs together to demonstrate the human centipede and it's oh. like dry hooned or something. Oh, yeah. Oh. And it's like the same dog clearly photoshopped on top of itself. Yeah, it's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I yeah, love that. Yeah. Huh. So where does that go on this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh-huh. I think, I don't know. I just feel like we're doing hosted disservice if we put it at the bottom because I feel like it is getting at what prestige horror is, even if it's in the form of kind of like a trash slasher movie. I mean, I don't think host could exist in any other year. 
Yeah. So in a way, I think it's tapping into a, a like an image that only really exists in that way in 2020. So in that same way, it's tapping into like a. It just feels so specifically unique to both its setting and or i guess it's framing and to the times that i it does feel a little weird to throw just at the bottom out right yeah i'm okay with putting it above like color in his face but i think in general like i do want to say that oh sorry go ahead (laughs) i do want to say that i think um it's not a bad thing to be at the bottom of this list that just means that you're making a great movie movie. (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) got it yeah I'm thinking of ending things. This one's tough because it's not so scary. Like, there's scary elements. Yes, but it's both prestige and, I would say, horror. Maybe, like, below Antebellum? Above host? <sighs> it's what? so prestige. It's the yes. most prestige. <laughs> it is influenced by Ari Aster. Like, to me, like unequivocally yeah right? like it's well you yeah. got your tony right i guess so yeah i mean like mm-hmm. yeah it basically just becomes hereditary at some point and then <laughs> stops being hereditary which makes it less prestige in a way mm-hmm. <laughs> might i remind you it ends on a dancing performance yeah, yeah. i suppose yeah. <laughs> i still think it should go in the top half at the very least I think so too. Like above host, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Um, this doesn't. This yeah, is not a good way to do this. Cut and paste, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm thinking of ending. Thanks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds like a SoundCloud rapper. Uh, okay. Possessor. Possessor's got to be pretty high up there. Yes, I think you got the Cronenberg family lineage yeah. going on here. Yeah, yeah, and it's like so. It's like in such a fancy world, like it's like elite assassins <laughs> taking that. over each other's brain. Like you know what right. I mean? That's right, just right. so, and not in like a fun action movie way, in like a very serious right uh, horror. Let's movie deconstruct way. this concept. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. Where. Is it, this is sounding like a first or second place so far. Yeah, I would say either top or below his house. His house is so prestige horror, though. Yeah. It just like the horror parts feel a little bit cheaper to me. Yeah. Yeah. So if you were to put Possessor above his house, you would be doing it in like a complimentary, like, this is good prestige horror sense. Right. Yeah, which I don't know. <laughs> like okay. We're getting into so many variables now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Or so I many perceptions of this. We should celebrate movies, though, Car. That's what I Okay. Think. Okay. <clears throat> so, Possessor at the top. Okay. Relic. <laughs> relic is also extremely yeah. prestige horror. What is Relic? Uh, I'll, I'll take this one. It's a, it's an Australian horror film about, uh, a mom and her daughter, uh, moving in with the grandma. Uh, yeah. And the grandma is dealing with dementia slash Alzheimer's, but Uh, it has a supernatural bent to it as well. So it's kind uh, of this metaphor for that process. 
I'd say like all of like, Babadook. Sure. Gotcha. But so less, like literally. Like it, Babadook has like the the scary thing is like kind of a not fun scary, but like it's a children's scary yes. depiction. Whereas this is saying. just like straight up like very scary. Yes, but it's so it is the Ari Aster style book applied to yes. a movie. Like it's just exactly that. So right. right. I guess what I'm getting at is I feel as though the the point when you get to the point where the the evil spooky is a metaphor for a mental illness or something, yes. you're literally like this is prestige horror. This is the genre, baby. This is this is <laughs> what this is. Yeah. Yeah. But then his house is also that. Okay. But Relic, I I think his house kind of uses more what I would think of as non-prestige horror imagery where even though it's like exactly the same imagery as Relic, but I feel like Relic is going for that Ari Aster style of horror. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Headless Tony Collette. Yep. Basically, dude. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't hate Relic. I feel like I'm begging on it. It's fine. but um, No, it's more than fine. I think it's yeah. a good movie. Yeah, it is. But yeah. I just get cranky around prestige horror, I guess, in a fun <laughs> way. Um, I could see Relic at the top. Yeah, I would agree. Okay. Um, The Grudge. You saw the 2020 Grudge, right? Yep. Can we put this at the bottom of the list, please? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Actually, that's not How fair. It? It's it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It cool. is drawing from prestige horror style a lot, though. In what way? Um, it does not. Kind of in the way that uh, Jigsaw kind of made Saul look good. This is kind of mm. doing that in sort of like a southern gothic kind of uh, style, mm. which works okay. Like, it's probably the best part of the movie is that it looks pretty good. Um but other than that, it's like a terrible horror movie. So maybe we put this at the bottom to punish it. Yeah, that okay. feels right. How does it compare to the other, the, the rest of the Grudge series? <laughs> Are we talking like reboot or I don't, I'm confused. I hate the Grudge, so I don't know. But this is worse probably. Okay. Truly awful, Michael. I wish I could impart to you, like worse than The Conjuring or something. Okay, no, 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 no. I, I'm I'm picking up what you're putting okay. down. I'm but not, John Cho, I'm right? not a grudge expert. The only one I ever saw was the one where where the grudge lady fights the ring lady. But uh, <laughs> no. Okay. Just uh, I want to comprehend how uniquely terrible a 2020 grudge movie is. So it's just so boring. Yeah, but it does have John Cho and it has uh, Andrea hmm. Riseborough. Yes. Yeah, she's on two on this list. Yes, like great oh. cast somehow. Yeah. Bad movie. <laughs> Um, that sucks. Yes. The Invisible Man does not suck, though. Um, but I don't know how prestige horror it is. Yeah, I don't know either. It feels like a wheel. middle. It's in the the area. Like, it's neighbors yeah. with prestige horror. Yeah, this one's weird because I think of this as, like, strictly a thriller. Like, yes. there's nothing scary about this movie to me. It's just, like, tense. <laughs> the idea is kind of scary. I get what you're saying. It's not like yeah. uh, the atmosphere is not there. Uh, yeah. But it's kind of doing the thing where it's dealing with other issues via, right. you know, horror movie tropes. 
Mm, this is feeling like a middle of the pack kind of movie to me. Yeah, I would agree. Like maybe above, I'm thinking, ending things. Okay. Mm. I feel like right below. Okay. okay. Just because I'm thinking of anything has the prestige sell yes. on lock. True. Uh, Inviso. Okay, we're getting through this. The Lodge. Car, you're going to have to take this one. The Lodge. Yeah, this one's tough. This is like a legitimately very scary movie that has, like, it feels very dramatic. Uh, okay. There's some really like good dramatic storytelling, particularly at the beginning. Um, but I think leans more towards just good horror movie at the end of the day. So I would say okay. like it, maybe bull, either above or below host. Maybe above. Oh, God, it's tough. Maybe below. <laughs> yeah, maybe below. Okay. Okay. Because, yeah, I think it is the scariest movie I saw. It definitely is the scariest movie I saw last year, but I don't think of, like, the plot points outside of the things that make it scary, I guess. Gotcha. Um, I think we should put Underwater at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, it's not prestige or horror. <laughs> Which yeah. stinks, like, it should yeah. have been scary, and it wasn't. Yeah. 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 It's not, but... Go ahead. Uh, T.J. Miller is in it, so it's actually yeah. horrifying in a JT meta way. JT. <laughs> Justin Timberlake Miller. Yeah. Uh, I can't stop the feeling. Uh, I like what Underwater is trying to be. But I'm then just watch The Abyss. It. No, totally, yeah. But I don't know. I was I was disappointed, which means yeah. that I had expectations to begin with, so. No, I was too. Like, Case 2 in a fun, like, action horror is, like, all I could ever ask for. Yeah. And I'm so afraid of underwater things. Yes. The disappointment was that CGI, whatever monsters they made were stupid and looked yep. so dumb that yep. it wasn't yep. scary. Yep, yep, yep. yep. <laughs> but, like, the dude's helmet cracking really slowly, that yeah. was good. That was good. That was a good. Um, and then the Wolf of Snow Hollow car. That's our final film here. I would say maybe below color out of space. It's not very scary, but it has like the prestige thing of it's like a very indie. Like it kind of gets at like a maybe it's not like Twin Peaks at all, but like that similar like <laughs> it's a small town sheriff office sort of thing. And they're all kind of like dumb, but in a okay. really fun way. Sort it's of like thing. a hot fuzz meets Shaun of the Dead. Gotcha car. You okay. see? Yeah. Ah. I would maybe argue that an intentional nostalgia play mm. would be mm. pretty prestige. Mm. Mm. I'm thinking of ending In, things. <laughs> I'm thinking of ending things as an example, maybe. Yeah. Mm. I don't know, because like I would consider Twin Peaks and Twin Peaks their return to be prestige in different ways. Yeah. This is or not like, as... Or like Stranger Things. Ugh. Yeah, it's because it's so clearly like a representation of a prior genre and a play on that genre. Yeah, it's, like it's specifically true. communicating with a medium. I just think it's not nearly as prestigious as Twin Peaks. Like it's it has the vibe. It like is definitely taking some notes from that book. Mm. But it's it's more just like silly at the end of the day than it doesn't have any like lynchy notes, I guess, beyond okay. uh, right, some of the right. character stuff. No one's a, a door handle or right. a cheerleader. <laughs> There's Christ. no superpowers. Log lady. 
Twin Peaks is yeah. so stupid. Um, you get out of here, you monster. <laughs> These movies ranked from least to most prestige horror are Underwater, The Grudge 2020, Wolf of Snow Hollow, Color Out of Space, The Lodge, Host, The Invisible Man, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, Antebellum, His House, Possessor, and Wreck, Wreck, Relic. Relic, Relic is the <laughs> most prestige horror movie of the year, which is not a compliment. Yeah. yeah. Um, and now we come to our final category, you guys. Yeah. Are you strapped in? Do you need to pee? Anybody I need to go? I kind of do. Is that okay? We're taking a break. Me and Michael are going to talk about whatever Michael wants to talk about for the next. Car, do not pause <laughs> your recording. Continue okay, recording, please. Okay, I will, I will, I will. Michael, what would you like to talk about? I don't know. Do you have any, any, what, what's kind of tickling your fancy right now, Tucker? You're kind of the maestro here, and I don't want to, I don't want to rain on your parade. Um, um, how about the Mets? Yeah, yeah, the the Mets. Eh? Uh, yeah. How about them Packers now? Oh mm. yeah, the Packers championship, championship. I think I don't know. I stop. They play the football. Buccaneers this Saturday or Sunday. <clears throat> That's all I got. <clears throat> um, Michael, what was your album of the year last year? Hmm. Uh, Waxahachie's Saint Ooh. Cloud. Ooh. I really, really liked its kind of stripped back folksier tone. It's kind of play with the southern folk rock and uh i just think that uh i can't think of her name katie crutchfield i think is her name hmm. um is a very talented lyricist and it really shines nice in that album nice. a couple of songs in there with some really strong visuals that i love nice sing a couple for me michael um, I, no we're not gonna go that far michael sing me a song i'm, I'm no piano man tucker I apologies that's okay. Hey, you know who's really good at music? Uh, the Stereo Lab guys? No, Al Stewart. Who's Al St- Wait. You're Wait. the cat dude? Come on! <laughs> Time yeah. passages? Uh-huh. Nobody ever talks about Al Stewart. That guy's awesome. Come on. Oh, no? Okay. I do okay. be back. Hello, we're talking about Al Stewart, but now we're ready <laughs> to talk about... The best. Al Stewart of having worked with <laughs> Alan Parsons fame. Of course. Everyone loves Al Stewart and Alan Parsons working together. And the eye in the sky. And the people who, uh, and, and a member of the Wings that wasn't Paul McCartney. Oh, gross. Was it Linda McCartney? No, it was lead guitarist Lawrence Juber. <laughs> okay. Juber. I don't want to. Be the one who mispronounces the former lead guitarist to the wing's name. Thank you. Best scene. Of the year, this is a very long list of nominees, but I'll go through them and we can cut all of them immediately. <laughs> Another round ending. Collective. Minister's phone call with dad. Azekin. The first screening. Feels oh. good, man. August 2019. First cow. Cookie looks for King Lou. First cow. Discussion inside house. Hamilton. Quote, satisfied. Quote, Hamilton. song, you monster. (laughs) The Battle of Yorktown from Hamilton as well. I'm thinking of ending things. Dancing. Invisible Man, Care Center Hallway. Invisible Man, Restaurant. Lover's Rock, Silly Games. 
Mink, election night. Ooh. Mink, the walk and talk. Mm. Uh, nobody knows I'm here. Song. Normal people. Therapy. This doesn't make sense to read, I'm realizing. Uh, <laughs> but I hope people at home are following along. <laughs> Never, rarely, sometimes, always. Interview. Portrait of a lady on fire. Ending. Portrait of a lady on fire. Fire. Relic ending. <laughs> uh, St. Francis staircase. Surely porch swing. Sound of metal ending. Sound of metal. Reuben returns. Swallow confrontation. Tenet car chase. Tenet second vault scene. The hunt gas station. I feel like this is like a replicant test or something from Blade Runner. <laughs> Michael, you see a turtle on its back. Why don't you help it? <laughs> Come on, bro. Anyway, let's go through help this. The turtle. Let's, let's let's round this out. Okay. We, uh, like, does it make more sense just to go through each one, do the little spiel, and then say like, do we want to keep or get rid of yes, it? Yes, that okay. makes perfect sense to me, lady. Uh, yeah, because otherwise, pick... I feel like we're just going to jump around for yeah for the next hour and a half, and then yeah, it'll mm-hmm. be bedtime. Um, yeah. Okay, so Kara, the ending of another round. Yeah, this one is excellent. Okay. <laughs> I love it so much. Okay. Uh, I don't want to give a, hey. it away. Hey, oh. this is a spoiler zone, okay? Okay, so am I allowed to give it away? I'm okay with you talking about anything, and people at home are going to be talking about, you know, our favorite scenes of the years, most of which are endings, so know that going forward but michael if you don't want to hear about something i think you should totally have the ability to say no 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 no. knock yourself out i'm okay with spoilers okay this one isn't even very spoilery it's just like a little bit more fun if you don't see it coming um so this is the movie where mads mickelson and buddies are uh day drinking consistently as like an experiment to see if they're happier and this is after they've learned okay it's not the best idea but they're celebrating they're all english or like high school teachers um and they're watching their students celebrate graduating and Mads Mikkelsen like just starts having a couple drinks and it's like a happy like he's maybe finding the right way to handle this uh he got some good personal news and then Mads Mikkelsen dances his ass off and it is so freaking good he's an incredible dancer it kind of gave me um yes 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 it gave me (laughs) that vibe it really did um like just incredible dancing such a feeling of joy like it's just him his buddies and all of these students like dancing together to this like awesome awesome song um yeah pure joy Dang. But I think we can cut it. I don't see this getting close to winning. Okay. Could Kojima write this? Yeah, I like that. I like that. <laughs> uh, he was in the room when it happened, I'm sure. He had to have been. This sounds like his fan fiction come to life. <laughs> no, wear this mask. Wear this mask. Okay, <laughs> fine. Um, collective. Is it collective or the, col- the collect- collective? It's collective, I think. Collective. Minister's um, phone call with dad. Yeah, so basically this is about the consistent failures of the Romanian healthcare system, specifically after an incident where a music venue burned down um, or lit on fire and all of these burn victims died months after they should have uh, just because of like terrible uh, healthcare. So there's like a transition of power to a new minister of health um, and he is like him and some journalists are fighting corruption and... 
at the end of the movie, the corruption wins, essentially. And it's this man who you've just spent like an hour and a half watching try to get something right, just essentially realize that everything was for naught and they'll probably continue this way for a long time. And people are dying all the time because of it and suffering. Um, and he's just on the phone call with his dad and his dad is like doing the thing where you're on a phone call with your parent who's like being upset for you. And it probably doesn't help because you're also upset, yeah. <laughs> but it's just like the dad ranting about how the world is awful. Um, and it is so emotionally impactful. And honestly, one of them, I just, I, I felt extreme despair after watching this movie and, it's not just because of this scene, but I think this scene epitomizes it. But we could also get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? We don't have to get rid of it just because, you know, not all of us have seen it. No, I mean, like, there's a couple others on here that, like, I know I want at the top and we don't need to waste time, like, going back and forth on okay. something that. All right, yeah. all right. It yeah. is, I can't record, like, it is such a tough watch of a movie, but it feels, like, very important. Um, and there's obviously... I don't know. It's just a really sad look at corruption. Like Damn. always bad, but when it's about healthcare and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah suffering people. people, really, right. really, really awful. Okay. <laughs> it's Thanks, a documentary, Scott. also. I don't know if I mentioned that. So it's not. <laughs> it's not fictionalized. So it's even worse. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Uh, let's shift gears a bit here. <laughs> Uh, Azokin, the first screening, um, this is, uh, about a third of the way through the show and these three girls have made their first anime film and they are, uh, screening it, I guess, for like an audience of, I don't know how you would describe it, just like various club members at the school, I guess. They, this is kind of the moment that they have to prove themselves because there is a lot of question over whether they should even be a club making anime at the school. Um, but the way they portray this experience is so awesome where it's this kind of simple, uh, kind of, it, it feels great because it's the kind of anime like a teenager would make where there's no story and it's just this girl on this planet fighting this tank for no reason. And they just had all these cool ideas for shots. But as it's screening, the audience kind of finds themselves in the action in a way that's done just like perfectly where the tank shoots the big cannon and then like the shell goes flying off into the audience and people are like looking at the burnt casing of the shell that the tank just fired in this anime. And it's just a, a lot of fun and it really portrays the the what it's trying to portray, which is how much love and care these three characters put into this little cartoon they made. And it was Aww. awesome. I also love the scene a ton. <laughs> I'm just gonna yeah, yeah, sorry to piggyback on there. I just do I just it. Really, really go love off. This. I don't know if I want to go off, but it's just okay. like it's well, I mean, Azokin has its own unique art style to begin with, especially with the like animation in the in there like in the the movie and the, in the in the series and there's so much uh like so much leading up to this point there's so much of those kind of compromises you know that actually happen behind the scenes and stuff like that and at the same time it does have that like innocent first uh first animation feel to it and it is just so nice to see it like to see them win yeah 
by making this and for it to be this engrossing thing and the actual like visual like the actual visual of the tank the girl fighting the tank is really well done yeah just in general it's just fun it is fun to watch as is plus this extra like meta context where where they have to prove themselves as the as a club and at the same time you can tell it's like like kids who clearly love what they're doing finally doing what they want to do and it just it's it's a fantastic moment and i i also love it a lot so yeah but maybe doesn't stay on this list you think of maybe yeah it's one of my top picks for this but i don't see it winning or anything but yeah uh is an awesome part of that show that they kind of returned to a couple times that same concept but uh that's where it really grabbed me so yep i I like yeah i feel like it helps that it's the first time but yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. oh this is awesome um feels good man august 2019 uh this is one of my top this is like maybe my top pick which is um towards the end of this documentary about pepe the frog and you know (laughs) society (laughs) we live in a society with pepe the frog um (laughs) and you've just spent an hour immersed in like the worst of humanity and Trump and just absolute garbage. And then they bring on this meme magician man, or he's like a, what he's like a scholar of magic or something, which is amazing. And he's like, what would need to happen is Pepe would need to change. Like the context would need to change completely. And then it cuts to the Hong Kong protests. And it's like, where Pepe kind of became this icon of those protests. And it was like the best change of mood I have like ever had in a film where it just felt like the clouds parted and like humans can be good. And like, there's like, there's joy in life still where you see all these people taking this image that had just become this symbol of hate and, everything bad about our society right now and turning it into this like hopeful icon was like blew me away this part of this movie yeah it's like one of the only i mean first of all apologies for the siren but it's one of the only i guess i haven't seen that much uh or that many documentaries specifically about this era yet. I'm sure we'll see more. Yeah. But I think anytime you're dealing with a documentary that's on a very serious subject, if you're trying to turn it to positive at the end, like yeah. that's such a failure often and like a disservice even, uh, because I think it can really, uh, what's the right word? It can like falsely give hope to something bad that already happened, if that makes sense. But this yeah. felt exactly right and like needed and it was something i didn't know like i didn't know that had sort of been reclaimed in that way and i genuinely felt like hopeful after which like i never feel hopeful about the way that things are going so that was very nice michael any thoughts before we move on (laughs) no no i mean i just i like it wasn't as surprising to me because i remember when yeah the uh, Hong Kong protesters started co-opting Pepe and how it was completely divorced from this, like this insane alt-right context that yeah. now exists in the U S with this stupid little frog. Um, I don't know if it was as impactful for me, maybe because of that, or maybe because it felt like so much of this movie was so tailored to 
this this experience of like uh like the to to like the american experience yeah and that the hong kong stuff felt kind of tagged on in a way yeah. but at the same time knowing that context going in i knew it was something that had to come up and it was placed at exactly where that probably should have been yeah and yeah and it was nice having like that that one of those moments of optimism mm. after digging through like digging, digging through pole and and rare pepe's markets rare and uh, uh donald the rise of donald trump and how this all kind of connects and how this guy's life is basically destroyed because a bunch of people on 4chan thought his silly frog was funny so I don't know. <laughs> what a movie! It wasn't as effective for me because it did feel tagged on, but it also yeah. felt like it was sort of needed there, and okay. it was an important part of the story of this meme, and kind of also underlined how the way information flows across the world, the way yeah. these things can be recontexted as they're delivered between, like, as as it goes from a comic to a meme in 4chan and becomes a horrendous thing and as it spreads as a meme overseas with a totally different worldview and context yeah um they just well, like especially ugly. <laughs> like after so much of the movie is proving that essentially that exact thing is not possible like you see the dude try to reclaim pepe himself a bunch and it never yeah. works and it's like right. this repeating theme and then like at the end to just be told oh it actually is possible just in this very specific way is right. cool right it yeah. has to happen naturally almost like you can't yeah. force the internet to work a certain way right yeah um yeah i loved it but it, uh i don't think it's gonna win so i'm gonna cut it no i don't cut it yet okay Let's, i'm gonna make it yellow. can we keep it in the running can we keep it in the running of course we have two mm. first cow scenes. Can I handle the first first cow scene? Do yeah, the first first cow you. scene was my addition. Yes. Um, so I pick this is towards the end. It is Cookie when Cookie tries to hunt down King Lou after everything's kind of gone to hell and uh, he's like wounded and everything and I think dying. And King Lou, who is the other main character in this like crazy scheme of theirs to um or the 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 scheme to try to to sell baked goods in Oregon back in eighteen twenty something, <laughs> and uh, um, this is to me this was like an impactful moment because this is the moment where it's like it's a slow movie to begin with, but you have like this this sort of what you'd imagine to be the climax and turning point, and everything kind of calms down to where you're not even really thinking about uh the build up to this moment you're not really thinking about the the fact that the uh that the the chief proctor and head of the the fort is trying to kill these people or anything like that instead it's just him kind of wandering aimlessly through the woods well not aimlessly because he's looking for uh king lou but he's wandering through the oregon wilderness you get these nice shots of the columbia river it's just this is the moment where like it felt more as though the movie tried to be absorbed by the environment rather than the other way around and uh i just really liked that about it because i think it does a really good job of making this this oregon wilderness look as beautiful as it is and it's it honestly it's one of my favorite moments from the year from from this year even though i don't think it's gonna win anything in this in this in this uh category it just it, that was like a special moment for me particularly where it kind of zones in on the river but and it's cool i think too 
subvert how that scene would normally feel, which is like uh, just like pure tension or something. Like it's cool, I think, to bring in the natural element that is just like complete peace and stillness and everything. Um, when despair would be the instinct, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I think it makes it really feel like the story is just a really small story in, yeah. a, in a much bigger, bigger world. Which was maybe a nice recontextual, like a way to context, like to contextualize the story. And it and like speaks and- to the theme where like Aaliyah Shawcott is finding their yeah remains at the beginning spoilers and, you know, carly my god <laughs> uh we don't know as their remains just heavily implied okay all right um all right. it's also something just in general i think kelly reichard does really well as a as a filmmaker yeah but just in general terms not just to first cow but but I don't get the impression it's going to win on this mm-hmm. in this list. There are some things maybe I would put above it, and I know Tucker's not a first cow fan. No, I uh nothing on, on this one. So I think I was looking at my phone through most of this part of the movie. So you stink. I was so bored. <laughs> he just hit his head and then he's wandering through the woods. I don't know. It, it wasn't for me. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I did All first right. cow discussion inside house. Okay, wait, are we cutting? Car, you're not going to fight for this first first cow. I'm I just want to make sure. Probably not with some other ones coming. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Okay, first cow discussion inside house. So this is like the moment of, I guess, one of the other big moments of dramatic tension, which is like when they're in. Forgive me, I forget like all the characters' names and everything, but. Um, the like general, I don't know, whatever the guy who they're selling the cakes to, they're in this guy's house and everyone's nervous that, uh, he's going to figure out that, that these guys have been stealing his cow's milk. Um, and they're just having this conversation and it's tense. And then Tuck, I think I talked to you about this way back when I first watched this. I was waiting for this the whole time I was watching the movie. Yeah, yeah, I really love this. This is like yeah. what Kelly Reichardt does beautifully to me and makes me excited and happy about movies is like, so the 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 guy who lives there calls all of the men out to the backyard to go look at the cow. Um, and you're left with these two women sitting on the couch and they just like start having a little conversation between the two of them. I think they're like, I don't know. I feel like they're like touching touching each other's jewelry or something. Yeah. Um. And it's just something you absolutely never see in a movie. Like it, when the action is following, um, what is most often a bunch of men, you follow the men through the house into the backyard to the cow right away. But to linger on a conversation like that in that way gives so much more life to the rest of the environment and legitimizes all of the other people in these movies as like genuine characters and humans um and it's also like just a moment that i've experienced before where it's like yeah i get stuck well stuck is like a really negative way to spin it but like Mm. i'm (laughs) sat in the kitchen talking to like the other women while the dudes go look at something and it's just like a very yeah yeah yeah, exactly it's like a very specific experience that you never really see and it's so fundamentally human and it made me just like absolutely overjoyed to see it in a movie Yes. 
No, I liked it too, but I was, I guess I was, <laughs> you had maybe built it up a little bit. I don't, I guess I just don't know what I was expecting. And then it, it was, you know, it's like this five second little scene. And I totally agree with everything you're saying, but um, I guess maybe I just had an, an image in my head of what that would look like. And then it was just kind of this very quiet, quick moment that happened. But I, yeah, I understand like it, is, the, it is extremely small. It's just like, um, it's the benefit of having, or one of the benefits of having the Kelly Rockers out there is like, yeah. they don't feel the need to tell the story in the same way as everyone else. And they're willing to stick little moments in and like, it feels so special. And especially when it's something that like sticks out to you and feels familiar in some way, especially like something that you ex- that people experience so often and it just is never, ever depicted. It's, I don't know, so exciting. It's also the main woman from, or one of the main women from Certain Women is one of the characters oh. in that scene, and she's really wonderful. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh. But I don't think this is going to go either, <laughs> and that's okay. Uh, I I mean, I, I, I guess I understand. I, I like your arguments for it a lot, but as a, uh, personally, it didn't do much for me, I guess. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Okay. Michael, any thoughts? No, I'm, I'm with you. Okay. Quarterly, I think I can't say anything that hasn't already been added. Okay. I've said. So. Michael, tell me about Satisfied. <laughs> yeah, so I kind of put these two Hamiltons on here knowing they weren't going to really go far. <laughs> sure. um, yeah. Because I still think it's worth recognizing that this Hamilton movie came out uh, that the that it fin- that it did finally come out, I guess. Yeah. Um, and that even as this flawed piece of art, I still think it's also vital in its own way, in the way it sort of recontextualizes American history as a as a an immigrant story starring people of color rather than a bunch of wealthy white slave owners. Um, the satisfied moment is one of the high points from like the first half of the of the uh the the performance and seeing it kind of play out it really sort of plays into a lot of the strengths where you know we're pulling in hip-hop and stuff like that to tell the story of the 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 founding fathers we're using the stage setting in the way that we are where it's like this this um anachronistic uh approach to time you know things are rewinding and moving forward and the stage is really set up in that way with like this really novel uh um what am i trying to think of like this revolving kind of mechanism in the middle and unless things kind of move around and it's just this really really strong performance from renee elise goldsbury who's playing uh angelica schuyler who's one of the uh well, um, part of this like love in this it's portrayed as a love triangle between angelica schuyler her sister and uh alexander hamilton um whether or not the history of that actually pans out i'm not entirely sure but it's just this really great moment to see. It's like one of those moments it's great to finally see live and it really kind of plays up the stage setting. It really plays up the characters. It really highlights the performance itself. And I think a lot of actual, like a lot of the critics and stuff also keyed in on this moment as being one of the ones that are best told through the actual physical visual performance. It's also just a really strong um, uh, song, a really strong vocal performance and everything like that. And it was just really fun to see happen, I guess. Yeah. I, and it was like the moment that I felt the, like I gained the most from finally being able to see this rather than just listen to it on a record. Sure. Gotcha. Um, 
I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I just wanted to yeah. highlight it because I think it's this great, great, like, it's just like this high point for this, what I still think is like this really important piece of art, even though I do think it's got its its faults. <laughs> um, yeah. The same is with the next one on this list, uh, the Battle of Yorktown, which is already like this well-recognized, like, like this is one of the few pieces of film that were, of of the performance that were kind of filmed and circulated publicly and stuff like that and it, because of the Tony Awards show. Um, still really fun to see live. Still kind of like this this just this high point of like like this climax point in the first half um, where you take this really well known moment of American history, the Battle of Yorktown, which is where the Revolutionary War was technically one or at least this was where it kind of ended for the most part um and you get to see every all of like the main cast care like the main members of the main cast kind of have their moments um there's some real like strong moments in that strung through there and it's just this like everything kind of builds to it in a way and it's just this fun like like uh, uh exclamation point to the first half and this fun way climax for like this half this revolutionary war half of the the show um I don't think either of these go any further. I just wanted an excuse to be able to talk about Hamilton <laughs> while we move on to to other movies. That's what this is here for, man. <laughs> yeah. And I like it. Um, so you think this would be stuff that maybe this would lose if you were to, like, turn it into a movie type of thing? Like, what do you... Yeah, I think you would. I don't think you okay. could turn it into a movie outside of just filming a Broadway performance. Okay. Okay. But I think these are, like, the these are two of, like, the higher... And they're both in the first half. There are other stuff yeah. throughout that I think are worth... Like there are other really high points throughout that really help have having the visual component as well. But um, these are the two that immediately stuck out to me when I when I uh, watched it last year. Gotcha. And it was nice being able to kind of like, especially in the case of Satisfied, to actually be able to see it as someone who didn't have hundreds of dollars to drop on a ticket <laughs> right. back when this was touring right. a touring show still. And it was cool seeing it with the original cast, or at yeah. least the cast from the Broadway recording, which is the the what everyone's heard so gotcha hmm. available now on disney plus disney plus hmm. which is also crazy but i don't <laughs> know just that like that that was a disney plus grab is insane right. to me but right. should we revisit our least bad streaming service category <laughs> uh no because as a streaming service disney plus is kind of uh -huh. i hope you like straight to vhs sequels to animated movies sure do disney channel originals maybe some behind the scenes from like 80s disney for some reason if you want to see that yeah 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 you know disney propaganda about it being <laughs> yeah. a place of dreams yeah yeah how do you feel about baby yoda we don't have mosquitoes here yeah. <laughs> hooray uh i think the next one on this list i also added Michael, tell me about the dancing in I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Yeah, so I'm Thinking of Ending Things is kind of this incoherent mess of a movie that's also mm -hmm. really, I think, is kind of held up by like these these like real strong just scenes and visuals. Yeah. And the dancing felt like the emotional high point to me where this this really bizarre romantic story becomes... I, I mean, I mean, I feel like other people are going to be able to say it so much better than I could, but like it becomes this, this, uh, ballet performance in a way. Yeah. And it's got like this tension of a, ba of a, like, a strong ballet performance and everything. It's filmed in a way that I think is dynamic and cool. It's just, 
it feels like whatever they were getting at was better told at least told here as like this this intense very classical dramatized romantic story like romantic dance and i don't know i just it's the moment that stuck out to me the most yeah because it is so not that movie up until that point like it doesn't yeah it's jarring that all of a sudden everyone's dancing yeah but in a good good way i think yeah I mean, it really yeah. feels like, why not just do it? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. they're already doing everything they <laughs> want. The it's so money. indulgent that, like, why not include an excellent dance number? Like, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Because, like, every scene is jarring in this movie. There's no, like, intentionally so, I think. But it's, like, every, it's always shifting tone and pace and all this stuff. And then, yeah, you get to... Like you said, I think the emotional high point that makes a lot of sense to me because it's like just basic human emotion all of a sudden in this movie that yeah. is so like cerebral and like ooh, it's like I'm reading a book. <laughs> and I think the handoff to the dancers is really cool. Like that's just yeah. a fun thing to do rather than like trying to teach non-dancers to dance and like sure. or using a body double or something like they just yeah. show Okay, now we're bringing in the dancers that look kind of like them, I guess. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, even in the context of the movie, all semblance of reality has gone by that point. Like it's reality is basically like fading around them. So it makes sense to have a dance number. Yeah. And it feels like it kind of maybe clarifies, I think, in a way. Yeah. As to like what they're trying to get at. If they're yeah. even trying to get at anything, I don't know. I, I can't read Charlie Kaufman's mind. Sure. Or, <laughs> I, I mean, it's probably I, I one of the only genuine moments, right? Like everything yeah. else is like yeah. 10 layers deep and this is just yeah. like exactly what it is on its face. Yeah. That yeah. and the dog shaking. Yeah. <laughs> um, dog drill. This, anyway. this category is kind of weird because I think we all have one we really like. And I think it's the same one. I feel like we're going to get there and then keep going. Um, I'm just worrying about things. It's fine. Because well, it feels like we're cutting all of these, I guess, is my problem. I have a couple that I want to keep besides the one that I think you're talking about. Okay. Okay. I'm not sure which one we're, I think we're talking about, but I think I know which one we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Wait, no, this. Oh, no, the yeah, acronyms are throwing go. me off. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. So, yeah. I guess what I'm asking you, Michael, is are we cutting this one? Yeah, we're cutting this one. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't see it going any further. I just think it's a really. Yeah. At the end of this crazy tailspin of a, of a movie where nothing actually makes sense. Right. Um, or and, I, I can't go that far, but I, I just, it feels so. I, th- I think Carly, you said it best when it's like everything's like ten layers deep or whatever. Um, instead, uh, this maybe making it so plain here, and it feels like a, t- a way to kind of tidy things up and clean things up, and at the same time also be sobering and where you can you don't really have to parse too deep as to whatever the hell's happening, and maybe things are spelled out more plainly. I think it's an interesting contrast, especially to this gritty dark movie where they're in a car for half of it. Yeah. Arguing about nothing. Yeah. My life. Um, (laughs) uh, this next one, I, 
This next one was on this list at the beginning of the year when we didn't have any other <laughs> ones. This is not a strong candidate is what I'm saying. But uh, the Care Center hallway and the Invisible Man is just kind of a fun action sequence where there's been a lot of tension in this movie um, because Elizabeth Moss thinks that her ex is wearing an invisibility suit and gaslighting her. And then this is kind of the point in the movie where the they like open the tap and all of a sudden, no, he's just here and he's really pissed off and he's just killing people in this Oof. invisibility suit. And it's kind of awesome to see that happen. But, you know, it, it's not it's not of the caliber. I'm going to cut it. But I think the restaurant scene is yeah. one of the most shocking portrayals of violence I've ever seen in a movie. Um, there is so much emotional weight tied to it and the way it happens so suddenly um, I can talk about it in detail or I could not, but there's a part in a restaurant where things get extremely dark, extremely quickly in a way I don't see in movies. And it stuck with me in a big way. Yeah. This movie didn't do too much for me, but this scene like snapped me out of all of that. I was yeah. just like absolutely taken aback. And if I remember there, I'm like, as I'm repicturing it, I'm hearing like really intense music cues too. Yeah. Like it just felt like cinematic and terrifying all at the same time. Yes. Yeah. I've never been punched in the face by a movie quite as badly as the scene yeah. punched me in the face in a way I liked a lot. Yeah. Just awful. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. Just thinking about it. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. So I don't know if that's good scene, but it sure stuck <laughs> with me and is one of the most memorable scenes in a movie I've seen this year. So. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing with it? Uh, I have ones I will fight more for. So, but dang, that's a scene. Car lovers rock silly games. So it's silly games because that's the song that's playing. So again, this is when they're at the house party and it's one of the it's there's like two big song moments when it's they're just all in this room together and the DJs are playing music. And this is the first one. Uh, and it's the romantic one where the second one is more like all these dudes just like growing out, going wild. Um, but this is like all of these beautiful people who are wonderful at dancing in the same room together, just loving music together. Um, and you're mainly following these two characters that don't know each other before the party, I believe. Um, but this is, I think, like their first dance together. And it is so romantic. And like when I talked about the camera getting up close, like it's just capturing these two people so well. And all of their movements are so like small while they're dancing. But it's so it's just so romantic and like uh, captures what like love at first sight or at least like lust or whatever is like Passion. it's just so yeah seriously it is so 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 incredible and these people i mean they're like dressed impeccably and it's it's just like pure joy and love and great music all at the same time and then it like kind of expands more towards the end of the scene to people um 
like kind of acapella singing the song, like the actual vocals from the song have dropped and now everyone's just like continuing the verses again and again. Uh, and it feels like so harmonious and all of these people are just having a wonderful time at a party together. Um, this I want to keep on. I, this is one okay. of the best scenes I, I saw uh, okay. this past year. Okay. Very good. I made a yeller. <laughs> uh, I don't feel strongly about either of these main ones. I put them both on here, I guess. Um, they were just uh, parts of the movie where I think the style really came through. And um, I, I like the the two on here are Election Night and The Walk and Talk. The Walk and Talk is just like them walking down the hallway and talking. But I like the... Uh, it's got it's snappy and it's like Hollywood, mm-hmm. old Hollywood, people being jerks. Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I mean, yeah. I might vouch for election night. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. I, I, that feels like the, the moment where we're. Fincher's like, all right, let's look at the dark underbelly of old Hollywood that everyone <laughs> seems to think is romantic and beautiful and wonderful. Yeah. Haha, everyone's trying to. Uh, Stab freaking Upton Sinclair in the back to the point that one of the filmmakers is suicidal. And then everything kind of falls apart. The rug's pulled out. What's-his-face ends up winning the governorship. And it just it feels like the moment where in this movie is its most cynical. Yeah. About a period of time that typically Hollywood likes to romanticize and hold up as this... Like uh, as as what we aspire to in Hollywood as yeah. as these dignified creators, and the reality is is they're a bunch of sleazeballs and with the the politicians and are trying to spin the election against any against the guy who seems like he genuinely wants to do good for California yeah. at this time when people are like you know they're starving because it's the Great Depression and the Dust Bowl. I I don't know. I just kind of loved that. Yeah. That swirl that context that 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 like how this all just kind of comes up to this this moment where where fincher's really trying to like like yeah no 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 hollywood ain't great folks <laughs> well yeah i mean like yeah. i think this movie is so specific because it was his dad writing it so i'm guessing he didn't want to change a lot but this that scene and everything you're describing is maybe the only scene that feels distinctly like a david fincher movie where like everything he does is what is the underbelly of blank? And like right. every yeah. single movie is him doing that. And this is maybe the only time he really gets to tap into that. And maybe that's why it stands out so much because that's what Fincher does best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about. Yes. Uh, that actually, I wouldn't have said that before this conversation, but that to- makes total sense. Yeah. That kind of recontextualizes that whole thing. I just like it because it looked cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like drunk, and then it's like old timey drunk effects to show that he's drunk <laughs> in this movie. And I was like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> so. more David, more. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's just it captures the disappointment of elections so well. Also, yeah. it's just like watching yeah. time tick by and bad things slowly happen. It's like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> so maybe keep that for now. Make it yeah. yeller. Okay. Yeah. Not never rarely, sometimes always. Yeah. Nobody knows I'm here song. Car. So this was another one that I added right at the beginning. It, it doesn't need to stay. Uh, the It is a really nice scene where it's like um, 
as I mentioned, this is the guy who he had like a hit song when he was a kid and he didn't get any credit for it. And he like deeply wants to be a performer and is like very creative and passionate. Um, And he finally I don't even remember how it goes, but he finally gets to like live that out in a way. And I think it's mostly um, it's sort of a spiteful act. But it's also just like him living the truth that he's been um, lingering on for decades. Uh, And it's really, really beautiful. And I think I wish I remember his name. Something Garcia um, does a really, really good job with it. Oh, yeah. Yep. But not going to not going to keep on. That movie really flew under the radar. I feel like I have not heard a single person. Mention it besides you, Car. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. I thought like I didn't expect like first cow level, but I thought yeah. it would be like one of the indies that came out towards the beginning of all of this that people would hang on to it to some extent. But not so. Not so. Hmm. Um. Okay. Normal people therapy. So my guy Paul Mescal, as I was mentioning, <laughs> like so much of the movie is. I mean, <laughs> so he's we like, love Paul Mescal. We do. We really, really do. Okay. He was in a Phoebe Bridgers uh, music video recently. Oh, oh now I yeah. love Paul Mescal. Mm. Wait for the second part, directed by Phoebe Waller Bridge. Oh Amazing. my god! <laughs> Shut this down. <laughs> and there's a cute dog in it too. Um, uh, anyways, okay, so like, yeah, the story is about two young people who are probably meant for each other and soulmates, but they're young and idiots at communicating about things and both fairly interior. Um, and he goes through this transformation where in high school he's like, one of those just like very well liked, decently popular is an athlete sort of thing. Two in college, he uh, feels extremely out of place, doesn't know how to make friends. Everything he's extremely, extremely anxious and probably depressed. Um, and he things are getting pretty rough, and he finally seeks help. And he goes to I think one of the like school counselors, and there's just this incredible scene of like a young man. Um, finally getting to talk about what's going on in his head and what his worries are, um, which I just, it doesn't feel like you see often. He does a really, really good job of like showing the simultaneous struggle of like, it's so painful for him to utter it. And he's so afraid to utter all of his feelings and emotions, even though this is the place to do it. And like absolute relief at finally being able to voice what's going on in his head. Um, it's really beautifully acted and like, I think a really incredible portrayal of like how people deal with mental health. Um, I don't think it stays like, it's mostly, it's one of those. that's like a very much an acting showcase sort of thing. Like it does yeah. feel super genuine, but I think this really epitomizes how good of a performer Paul Mezcal is. Um, but I don't think it needs to be on the list. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Um, okay. Never rarely, sometimes always interview. Yeah. I mean, this is the heavy hitter. Yes. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Sorry, <laughs> you want to take it? Or? Okay. I don't know. Well, okay. So this is the titular scene. The character is, has been trying to 
she's a teenage girl trying to get an abortion and she has to travel to New York City with her cousin in order to do so because she's not able to get one in Pennsylvania because I forget whatever the law is uh, prevents someone her age from doing so. Um, she would and need a parent. She goes through all of these hoops to get to a place where she can actually get the abortion. And before that happens, she has a scene with, I think someone who's like kind of a social worker and the social worker is trying to understand essentially like, is this young woman in trouble outside of just like, she needs this, uh, she needs the abortion. So it starts to get at questions of um, uh, like who the, person she was having sex with was, if there's abuse in the relationship, if she feels in danger. And for each question, um, at the end of it, the social worker asks, like, do you feel blank? Never, rarely, sometimes, always. Um, and it's Sydney Flanagan uh, giving answers. And I don't, like, she's just terrified. But this is her someone's finally asking her, you know, and it's like, yeah. you get the sense from what you see of her family that no one's ever going to ask her those questions. Yeah. Um, and it's also kind of hopeless because this is in New York city and she's just going to go home and this woman can probably do nothing for her. Um, even though the intentions are to help if she needs help and the girl does need help. Yeah. Um, and it's beautifully, beautifully acted and so heartbreaking. And yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's incredible. Uh, it's so suggestive the way, like, I understand why the interview, like, I assume this is based on an actual interview that people uh, go through. But, you know, these are not concrete terms we're dealing with. So there's so much wiggle room for you to kind of read into in the acting and these answers where, you know, sometimes it's not a good answer. And they kind of ring that for all it's worth in this interview as uh, Sidney Flanagan's character is kind of <laughs> deteriorating in front of you as this is going on and kind of letting some of the walls down that she's built up around herself through this whole thing. And it's, uh, yeah, it's like an acting showcase. It's not a script writing showcase necessarily because it's a questionnaire, but, uh, you know, it's the emotional center point of this movie and it was hugely successful in that for me and it also like because there's the facet of it where it's like no one's probably asked her this before and she may not have been thinking in these terms before like i think yeah. so often people are afraid to assign a label to something that's happening to them or has happened to them and yeah. like the emotional wallop of like it's this is the first step and maybe her trying to find a way to uh, get help or get out of bad situations, whatever it may be. But like what an intense experience to have that presented to you for the first time. Yes. Yeah. Popcorn, Michael. <laughs> well, I just, to kind of add to this, um, it's this like gradually as the interview goes on, there's like this, this, this sort of, unraveling of, of information where it starts hinting towards some pretty dark experiences yeah. in her past. I think like they, I'm pretty sure it outright leads to, to admitting of, of like some form of sexual abuse and some form of other forms of abuse and, and things like that. And it's just this horrifying, like it, it feels like a, like the kind of tension maybe you'd get 
out of a horror movie as it keeps rolling on and it just get this I, I i don't know i felt the yeah. entire time like it, like with each piece of information suddenly her backstory becomes darker and, and yeah. more painful to hear and i think it helps that not only do you have a a, a good uh not only is it like a good showcase for acting because sydney flanagan really like she like they really sell what's they really sell kind of the 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 fear and the other sort of complicated emotions coming out here but the camera focuses on um focuses on sydney and focuses it just that that kind of like real sharp intimate focus there and sydney's ability to sort of uh kind of present all of this is just it's like it all comes together in such a a, a like an affecting way and i i don't know it was maybe the most tense moment for me watching a movie this year and this most and it, it also felt like there were this is the first time really me as a, as a as a white guy who doesn't have to think about things like this <laughs> yeah. um yeah. really sees some of these questions in the real kind of like kind of like the 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 emotions that can kind of be attached to that, the kind of feelings that come attached to that. And I, I just, I don't know, so much of it came together so well, the way from the way it was filmed to the, the, like the lack of an, of soundtrack or anything like that, with just a little bit of ambient noise in the background to, to the way Sydney's reading their lines. And it just, I, yeah, I don't know. And there's so much impact too, because if I remember correctly, like I really don't want to be wrong about this. I know for sure, like they held as much to this, or they held this to be like as realistic as possible. And I think the nurse who's in the scene with her is an actual nurse. And it's Aww. like essentially just conducting um, what she would normally conduct. And like, you can't make any mistake here. This is a movie that's trying to portray something and trying to communicate like there are so many I, like not to get too depressing but there's so many young girls dealing with exactly this and who have had this exact experience and to show that in its like starkest form to as many eyes that can see it and like evoke some feeling is like I don't know one of the most powerful things you can do with the movie and they did exactly that and like yeah, I'm just I I I've thought about this movie so many times since I've seen it and like half the times I think about it I end up crying cuz it's just like so okay. I can't imagine anything more I don't know, it's so impactful and so beautifully done and important and all that. So we're cutting it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean and just one of the other things that I worth that I think is worth maybe getting out there is that it it does sort of frame this because of the way society sort of framed the question of abortion and abortion laws and stuff like that. It really becomes this traumatizing experience, even when the person on the other side wants to help. Yeah, exactly. just, it, it yeah. captures that so intently, and yeah, I don't know. Like this is, I, I don't know, I don't know. Right. Yeah, there's like, no part of the process that's easy, even though, like, she made the decision from the get-go. Like, she knew what she wanted to do, it's, and now it's like everything else needs to be difficult. Yeah. It's a pretty okay scene, I guess, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> I hope she... I don't know if she's, like, up for any awards consideration, but I really hope so. You would hope so. 
Yeah. What are we doing? I don't know. Maybe she will be. I don't know. Mm. I think they've won awards at one point or another. I think this has made some kind of award circuit. Somewhere. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And Sydney was the recipient, or at least considered for a handful of them. Yeah. Yeah. Like Hollywood Critics Association. Like a lot of the critics associations and stuff like that were were lobbing awards both at the movie and at Sydney's performance. Yeah. So. I, I heard she got the Sprocky for Best Actor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, tell me did, about the ending yes did i do this <laughs> did i do that yeah i don't know okay okay torture <laughs> ending <laughs> well i mean can i reverse the order sequentially so portrait uh, fire and portrait ending i think i okay. both did i did both sure um so portrait fire is the okay. like essentially leading to or like makes up some of the titular scene i guess where it's like all these women are at a fire with all of these other women that i like it seems there's some sort of like community bonfire (laughs) that happens on something's happening in the woods regular basis um and these women like break into this acapella song and i was so you were captured by it like it was so beautifully shot and such a beautiful song and like you don't really get what's going on at all but they're just like finding community with each other which is so so cool and then you get of course the moment where Adele Hanel's dress starts on fire and it's just like these two women deeply deeply in love looking at each other and it's so Aww. romantic and incredible so that's a fire one any further comments <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my only comment is that the other portrait nominee impacted me much more than this one. Yes, the second one is a like emotional like truck hitting you, um, which is yeah. the ending where it's um, at the very end. Obviously, like these women don't get to be together because of the times, <laughs> um, which you know is going to happen the entire time, and it's just like they get to enjoy each other for like a couple of weeks or whatever. Um, but they are each other's soulmates and go on to leave entirely separate lives. But there's two moments where they, where the painter sees Adele Hanel's character. One is through another painting and the second is them at, they're both separately at like an, a f- concert involving the Four Seasons, which is a song they talked about before. And it's the painter watching Adele Hanel break down crying to the song. Um, And you know it's because she's thinking of the moment that they shared uh, when they discussed the song. And it's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Um, It's like a perfect ending, I think. Yeah. To this movie. And it's done in kind of a... It avoids being cheesy or cliche i think because it hangs so long on that character you know it goes on and it feels like you're just inhabiting the viewpoint of the painter at that moment and it works really well and it's beautiful that like because like so much of you when you watch it is like like just go find her afterwards and talk to her but like they wouldn't lead to like nothing can happen (laughs) yeah but she gets to know that because Adele Hanel is like breaking down crying to this song 
Like the yeah. love is still there. And that's the yeah. only opportunity her whole life that she'll get to know that that still exists. And that's like obviously heartbreaking, uh, but beautiful. Yes. Yeah. So I would keep the end. Yeah. Keep the ending, not keep the fire. Okay. Michael thoughts. Hmm. I actually thought the fire was more affecting. Whoa. Well, because like so much of this movie hung on this this theme of of art and sort of and painting and sort of that as a as a medium for telling the story and the mo- the moment around the fire with the music and the acapella singing and everything like that and her dress catching fire in this moment where she uh, I'm I'm forgetting names I apologize but where she looks at the the painter and doesn't realize the fires there it seems like that kind of perfect moment that you'd read about is like the inspiration for some great work of art somewhere or like this mythical folk like this folk like right. this folk tale kind of moment of the fire and i love that yeah that in my mind was like a perfect moment while the ending felt a little more conventional i guess even though i love kind of how it hung in the air i love how how it does sort of it is kind of the only way this could have ended in a satisfying note, but I just, though the, I like, if I think back to portrait of a, of a lady on fire, it'll be the long shots of the ocean and the fire scene. That, yeah. That kind of sticks out to me. It is cool too, because there is the question of like, I, I kind of took it as Adele Hanel knew that she was on fire and like also knew that this is like, cause she like stands there for a no, substantial yeah. no, amount yeah, yeah. of time. She knows. And, yeah. And she like, I, because so much of it is like at first the painter is portraying or perceiving Adele in a way that she would not want to be perceived. And like, is that their one common or their first common moment of like, okay, this is how I want to be seen in the world or like this is how I feel comfortable being portrayed and like that's when their romance really starts heating up as well if you will (laughs) the sparks really flew yes the sparks flew okay well (laughs) I wish it wasn't the poster I know we already hit the poster one no I I talked about how I didn't like the poster I wish that this scene wasn't the poster because when it happened I was like oh it's the poster oh I see (laughs) which was kind of like oh Uh, but I love this scene and I love the poster the (laughs) ladies singing acapella didn't do anything for me I don't know I get it stuck in my head all the time. Okay, well, that's okay. Wait, wait, wait. One really quick other thing that, like, I should have included here. I just want to throw it out. It's a beautiful scene when they're reading the book together. And it's just, like, very cool to see people uh, read a book together (laughs) and, like, experience the the ending of the story at the same time and have different perceptions of it. Uh, Like, it felt very, like, not rambunctious, but like just exciting in a way that like who knew people reading a book aloud could be. Right. right. Yeah. Like people playing in the way that like people did to have fun and like not like, you know. Right. I read the summary on Wikipedia and I know about that book <laughs> yeah. and it's like, okay, well, cool. Yeah. Okay. Are we keeping both of these? Definitely ending up to you, Michael, on fire. I would keep the fire, but I feel like there's a, it feels weird from this point on because I feel like we've already kind of said what, Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> I'm having the Tucker concern. You yeah. guys live in well, the moment. Well, this has gone very, very long, so we can kind of do like a little rapid fire maybe at the end here. Yeah. Um, Relic ending. Can I spoil the ending of Relic? I think it's pretty cool. Michael, I think that's mainly you. I saw Relic. <laughs> oh, yeah. Knock yourself out. Okay. Oh, spoil. Spoil. Well, at the like end. meat left out in the air. Whew. Stinks in here. Because <gasps> the ending is spoiled. Um it ends in a very kind of stupid way or like the, I don't care for what's happening on the third act of this movie, but at the very end, after the grandma has kind of been this horror movie character, the entire movie, um, there's this sequence where she kind of sheds, she basically sheds her skin, right? Like, yeah. a, and she's just kind of left as like this very, like, uh, like a husk, basically, like a black husk, like pitch black, you know, Solid. basically, yes, like yeah. not a person anymore, basically, um, like a corpse, I would say. And I'm trying to get to the point where it's cool. Um, the mom kind of sits down with the grandma or what used to be the grandma and has kind of this moment of letting go where she kind of... S- because it's such this drastic change of tone because it's been a horror movie and all of a sudden she's taking the villain, the monster, and kind of accepting her for who she is and laying down next to her. And then the daughter comes in and also lays down and then she notices on the mom a little patch of like, you know, what happened to the grandma. And I think it's this really effective just, you know, as someone with a family history of dementia you know i worry about this stuff and i think that's a very good visual metaphor for how this gets passed on to the children you know of the parents and how we all have to deal how it's this generational thing it's not it's not about villains it's not about monsters it's just something that is tied up in families in that way and i it was very effective at getting that message across and like i it's I don't know, like so much about acceptance, as you mentioned, and I think ending it in that way both makes it a better movie and just like, I'm thankful that that happened, like that feels so emotionally affecting and yeah, I really liked it. Because it's like a gotcha ending, but it's not a mean one. It's like, it's, it's about, it's a good message at the end, even though it's framed like something that would happen in a horror movie. Like, yeah, right. Oh no, you're infected too. But no, that's not what this movie is about. <laughs> right. So, but yeah, it's not going to stay on this list, but it was by far the best part of the movie. I thought. Yeah, I would agree. Car, tell me about St. Francis staircase. Okay. So St. Francis is the movie about, um, a 30 something year old who works as a nanny for this really rich family and in the midst of that gets an abortion herself and she's like becoming really intertwined with this family um and it's a the family is a lesbian couple with a daughter who's like I don't know like three or four and a uh very recently one of the the moms very recently gave birth to another baby and she herself is struggling from postpartum depression. Um, and there's like extremely complex dynamics between the nanny and each of the women. Um, the nanny is so much trying to take care of the 
woman who has postpartum depression and has like a much more difficult relationship with the other woman. And the other woman is really like, you get the sense all along that um, she's extremely stressed out. Obviously her partner is struggling with depression um, and she's like trying to keep this household together. And before this moment, it really comes out as anger and like strictness with the daughter and uh, lashing out towards the nanny. And finally, all of it comes to a head and you realize that the uh, stressed out woman was also worried that the nanny and her wife were sleeping together and having an affair. And it's like all of these emotions that have been built up and super segmented from each other. It, everything comes to a head and finally, like everyone just says what they're thinking. And there's so much relief behind it. And like none of it ends up being as bad as it needed to be when they were dealing with it independently. And it just like hits like five different topics because this is when it all comes to a head and you realize like they're all going to be okay. And like <laughs> they're going to be a family in some way. And like this woman will always be a part of this couple's life and will always have this relationship with these people. And it's just like, it's just like a dramatic scene between a few adults, but there's something really truthful in the way that it depicts both of the, or all of the people involved. Um, and like, absolutely it like something about this movie just like absolutely killed me. And that scene uh, in particular did so. Really good acting between all of them. And it's three actors I don't know at all. Um, but again, I don't think this makes a cut. Sure. No. I like what hmm. you're saying, though. I have a hard time not just picturing Charlize in that role that you're describing, though. <laughs> Why? Because of Tully. Oh, Tully. I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's fair. Yeah. So I was picturing Charlize the whole time you were talking about that. So <laughs> just so you, you know. It's not Charlize. Okay. Okay. What about Shirley's porch swing? Okay. Nice. Quick one. Very short <laughs> Thanks, scene. High five on that one. Okay. <laughs> um, this is one of those that like, I watched right at the beginning of this year, I think. And this is like what happens when Elizabeth Moss doesn't need to play like a strictly tortured person. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. yep. So this scene is like... All of the movies like dancing around this sexual chemistry between Shirley, who is has a husband and this other this younger woman who's living with them with her husband. Um, and this scene is like when it comes to a head and it's so subtle. And it's just like these two Shirley is this kind of. Ooh, like unruly force and she's sitting on the porch swing and it's the other woman just like slowly approaching and it is just like it, it's insane like it just it's them getting closer and closer and it's elizabeth moss being able to just like be a domineering force and like i don't know it's yeah. incredible stuff like it's pretty short and I, the acting is good, but I don't know if they even say anything at all. Um, just a look. Yeah. It's just okay. them like 
finally giving into the fact that they're extremely attracted to each other. Um, yeah, incredible stuff. Like the movie overall is good. I would watch it just for this scene. It's really nice. wild. Okay. But we can skip. Okay. Gotcha. We got a couple sound and metals on here to talk about. Mm-hmm. Michael, you don't much care for the third act of Sound and Metal, but are we just talking about the very end? I think I put this on here. Maybe I was just talking about the very end. If we're talking about the very end, I think the very end is affecting. I don't like sort of the things leading up to that. And yeah. I don't like the part where he returns to the, to the, uh, the, um, I don't know how you want to describe it. The, um, kind of the, the farm or the, oh, the whatever. retreat or the, yeah, the retreat, the retreat, yeah. yeah. And I, I don't I don't like that because it sort of spells out everything in a way that I think undercuts so much of the the undercuts one of the the ideas of this movie and it just more it, like that that was it, like it deflated everything for me. Yeah. But uh we're talking about the very very ending <laughs> where he's on the park bench and yeah. he finally learns to kind of really find comfort in uh what he was told was, you know, the the kingdom of God or whatever, the uh, that silence, that comforting comfort in silence and yeah. acceptance of silence. I think that's a beautiful moment. Yeah, and I do love that moment. But you, I didn't put Reuben returns on here. Is that when he goes back to the retreat? Is that yes? Yeah, yeah. Okay. See, I that worked really really well for me too. Oops. <laughs> um, just because that conversation takes a turn that. I guess I wanted to believe he wouldn't have. And then it just, it becomes a really bad conversation. Um, And that was affecting for me because I wanted to believe that that character had moved on and, you know, had learned anything from what was happening, but no, that doesn't happen yet. Yeah. I mean, he like, this is when everything like bubbles over, right? Like he's been acting irrational in selling the RV and hiding everything and getting this procedure done and sneaking up to the computer. And you know, it's not going to turn out. And this is just like his, his first attempt at someone trying to get him to come to reality. Obviously it doesn't entirely work because he still goes to get Olivia cook back and like, I don't know. Anyone can tell you that that sort of surprise rarely, if ever, works out. Um, And it's, like, not very considerate of the other person. Um, But, yes, like, on top of all of that, amazing performance by, I think his name is Paul Racy. I hope I'm saying it right. The the person who's sort of leading the... Counselor guy. yeah. Yeah. And just heartbreaking moment when he has to tell Ruben, like, you're not welcome here anymore. Yes. And if I remember correctly, it like lingers on him after Ruben walks out and he's struggling with that as well, which is like so honest. Like, of course, this man seems like such a incredible human being that like, he's just don't doing what he knows he needs to do, but it's an extremely painful thing to do. Um, Yeah. yeah, I really love that scene, but I don't want to move away from the ending. Okay. <laughs> sure. We can, yeah. Um, I mean, are you saying we should talk about the ending or are you just yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I just don't know what there is to say about the ending, really. Um, other than that, it's extremely effective. 
you know, like I feel like there's no way to talk about the ending without just like talking about exactly what happens at the ending, which I don't know is uh, pertinent, I guess. Yeah. I'm not trying to like steal your conversation away. I'm just saying I don't have anything to say about the ending other than that's really good. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's like really powerful to see someone like finding peace, especially after you just spent like two hours or whatever watching them struggle against their own reality in such a intense way see that's a really optimistic way of viewing that i guess like i uh, i guess i didn't take that as him finding peace at the end oh really um i took it as him kind of giving up uh and realizing he made a mistake but not finding peace necessarily yeah i guess to me those are kind of um the same like he's realizing that everything he was aiming for is not going to happen and therefore needs to figure out what the next mode of happiness is yeah maybe clarity rather than yes maybe that's yeah. a better way to put it yeah okay yeah yes and it gets I that think there's some piece to it though especially contrasted with like so once he gets the cochlears and gets this like simulated sound the simulated sense of sound and everything's really distorted and disappointing and kind of grating and aggressive yeah. in a way like that contrasted to this moment of silence, I think there is some sense of relief there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then on top of that, this also this disappointment that things just aren't going to happen as he, he he's not going to reclaim his life. Right. No. Yeah. Uh, but also that maybe there's like a, 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 to me, there was a, it was a bit of optimism there where there was like a, here's a sense of peace. And then maybe this is like a sense of, of acceptance in a way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the only way for his life to get better is to accept that his old life is doesn't exist anymore. And like, okay. that's horrible and upsetting, but it's it's optimistic in the way that like now there's the opportunity for something else. Yeah, like life goes on. Yeah, he's basically dead, but he's become, you know, the he the Riz, is his name Riz. Yeah, the Riz he knew and we knew is dead, but yeah. Maybe there's room for a new race in this crazy world. And you see some of it because, like, his moments when he's at the <laughs> Michael's tired. <laughs> a Riz of the Phoenix. No. Oh no! <laughs> cut this! Cut it! Cut it! <laughs> Finally, the ending is fun. Um. <laughs> yeah, we made it better. Thank you, Michael. Now it can hang on this list. Oh my god, Carly! Oh, I, just like you see glimpses of. Like when he's working with the kids and stuff, like he does find yeah. joy in other things. It's just he was too distracted with everything else that he couldn't have that. And I guess like the hope is maybe he finds another way to access that. Sure. Yeah. Sound he of metal too. Addicted <laughs> oh, no. in a way you could say <laughs> to the idea of hearing again. We're all getting tired. It's time to. And end if you this weren't thing. sure that was the theme, they'll just tell it for you. They'll just okay. say it to you in this next Mr. scene. Michael, before he runs off to Belgium, because we can't just have an, a foreign out of body experience in the states. We have to spell it out for you by moving you to a foreign country. Michael, this podcast is a safe space. Okay. <laughs> You can only criticize First Cow. You can't criticize any other movie. Yeah, okay. Uh, then we might want to skip the Tenet stuff, too. That's fair. Car, do you want to talk about the Swallow confrontation real quick? Yeah, really. Uh, this There's some like similarities here to 
the way that the never rarely sometimes always interview made me feel um sure yeah i mean god this it's like dark stuff this woman uh, is like kind of escaping from her life of essentially being a doll to her husband and her in-laws um and she's pregnant and you're getting the sense she doesn't necessarily want to be and she's also dealing with the fact that she is um the product of her mother's rape and she f- tracks down her mother's rapist and goes to his house and um there's like a birthday party i think for another the man's kid yeah and they're just having this conversation in the kitchen and it doesn't go exactly how you would expect where like she's essentially like in real time having to make the decision of do i ruin this man's life forever or not (laughs) right um during a birthday party during a birthday party and like it would make it would entirely make sense for her to do that yeah um but i think it ends up being like the she's like not even close to healing from any of this essentially but she ends up having this conversation with this man who did this extremely extremely awful thing and it's like her first step in taking her life back essentially and her life has really not been hers up until that point yeah yeah and you can you can feel the effects of that you know afterwards right like and that's cool yeah Um, uh, an amazing scene yeah i think yeah just uh uncomfortable conversation with you know, I, I really think the birthday party aspect really adds to it because you have this constant tension of kind of pe- like people walking through the kitchen. Like it's not a it's not a good place to have this conversation at all. And that really adds to the the atmosphere going on there. Yeah. And it like heightens her ability to uh, like take control of that situation a little bit. Like and the, also diminishes her ability to because there's all this pressure of like, oh, his wife is right there. Do I want to ruin her life? Like, right. she's forced to make all of these decisions um, in real time. And it's yeah. such a departure from the rest of the tone of the movie in a way that is surprising, but I think works really well. Yes. Yeah. Because, I mean, she, I think I <laughs> said when we were talking about the movie, it's like, I guess she's acting, but she's just kind of like being, you know not showing emotion and stuff, but then all of a sudden she's, you know, a person and that right. fits the character's progression and everything. It's good. Yeah. I would say keep it in the, cause it is like yeah. probably one of my top few, but I know. Sure. Yeah. We kind of have the, you know, yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, the car goes backwards in tenant and I thought that was pretty <laughs> <Yeah>. cool. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's cool. Okay, we can cut that. Uh, I don't get the car going backwards because they're driving <laughs> forwards. But they're yeah. seeing someone. Yeah, but they're driving in opposite directions as well on the same road, right? Well, I was not going to stay on the list, so we don't need to worry about the metaphysics of Christopher Nolan's <laughs> <laughs> The second right, vault think, scene, I think, is yes. really fun. Um, and I kind of wish the movie had been, like, more of this explicitly. Like, yeah. I know the car chase is also this, but, like, I just love the idea of redoing all of the scenes from the other perspective. 
Um, yeah. And I feel like this is where you really get that. And it's I got a movie for you, Car. It's called Tenet. <laughs> Halfway through, it switches and it goes backwards. Is that cool yeah. or what? Yeah, it's kind of cool. Temporal okay. concern. <laughs> I'm gonna make that dark red. Yeah. No more tenet. Poopy red. No more tenet. Please, no more tenet. Okay. I can't no believe more this is the last one. No more Robert Pattinson knowing everything. <laughs> Diet Coke. <laughs> Cars don't drive backwards, but they drink backwards. You just uh, <sighs> tell me about the gas station so we can move on. Oh, uh, it's kind of funny. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of funny. That's all. It's just, it's funny because it flips the script a little bit where the evil people at the gas station like listen to NPR, you know. <laughs> I like that. That's about yeah. it. Yeah, it's funny. And uh, his little VPR sticker in the back. It's uh, it's playing a raincoat song, which is awesome. Oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah. that's funny. That was on that. Um, we can Betty cut. Gilpin, like in another She's world, amazing. Betty Gilpin could have gotten an acting nod. She's really good in that movie. Yeah, she's really good. I watched it so long ago, I wasn't even really considering it when yeah. I was coming up with people, I guess. But yeah, same. I have a question. Yeah. Is the was the hunt really worth all the hype going up to it? The hype being sort of like the ooh, it's controversial. Ooh. <laughs> no, ooh, not in that, that way. Movie. No, ooh. I don't think so. I, I enjoyed okay. watching it. I thought it was an all right time. Okay. But yeah, it's I not would like, agree. It's not taking down the liberals or whatever it was, you know. Or the liberals are evil. I don't know what the controversy was. I guess I well, mean, it's Trump so stupid. was upset that they were killing rednecks. I think, right? I, I guess something so. to that effect. I don't know. Yeah, they do kind of do that, but none of them are like hicks. Really, they're kind of portrayed as like the good guys. Yeah, you know? it's so messy. It's like a yeah. a, mo- a extremely political movie without a point. It's so. Who's the Who's the bad guy? Uh, Hillary Swank. Oh, she's so good. Yeah, she's so... That end fight scene yeah. is very fun. That is very fun, yes. Yeah. And Dennis from It's Always Sunny. Is <laughs> yeah, he's great. Guy. In the role you would exactly expect yes. him to be playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that movie's not so bad. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's it pretty fine. fun. Yeah. Um, are we going with Never Really, Sometimes Always? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's the one we can all agree on. Michael? Wait, well, I'm sorry. What was that? We're going never rarely, sometimes always. Is that? I think so. Okay. I mean, that's that would be my pick for scene of the year. But yeah. done. I don't want to I don't want to be the swing vote here. No, don't I don't swing. Yeah. OK, let's all go to sleep. I'm going to name the winners and then we can leave. Um <laughs> Worst title is Birds of Prey and the something, 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 <laughs> something, 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 something. Mr. J. Wait, one Mr. second, J. one second, what? one second. I have it up. Please. Uh, Birds of Prey. Um, and then what's it called when there's? Oh, Parenthetical. Okay. okay. Uh, and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Terrible. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Sydney Flanagan is our best actor for her role in Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. I'm not going to do the least to bad prestige yeah. horror. You know what's going on there. <laughs> um, best looking movie is Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Movie that would have benefited most from Anya Taylor-Joy is The Old Guard. Uh, um, worst letterbox poster is Normal People. And best scene is The Interview from Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. 
That was maybe the longest podcast we've ever done, but <laughs> we'll be coming back soon. We will return for our canonical 10 movie discussion. Maybe not tonight. <laughs> Definitely not tonight. <laughs> What are you talking like, about? Sometime soon. <laughs> yeah. Catch it.